show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks! Pressure, Cody just dives in! Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and always built by the Barndo Code, the barndominiumcode.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as crazy in these days and times, $160 per square foot. Got to live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or in Tennessee, the barndominiumcode.com. Of course, we're served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. It keeps you warm this time of year and it keeps you same during football season, especially when you can only manage to win five games. Chicken Cock, you can find it on the Chief Sports app, proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Coming up today on our program, in addition to Mad Dog and myself, we'll be joined in the final couple of hours by the golden tones of the great Mike Morgan with ESPN and the SEC Network. His Heisman vote is in. We'll talk to him about the college football playoff. We'll get into some portal stuff. We'll talk some hoops as well. Brad Crawford coming up in 30 minutes with 24-7 Sports. He's got some scoop on some quarterback movement within the league and some additional stuff in the portal. We'll talk to him about some of the coaching things going on out there and plenty in that segment as well. And then, of course, if you're watching right now, you can clearly see in the upper right-hand corner that the best-looking gentleman of the day, the best-looking guest that we have is none other than the great Hale McGranahan of the Big Spur dot com how's that for an introduction my man best best thing anybody said about me all day today yeah yeah we look we work hard to keep our guests around here so we've got to say things true or untrue sometimes that make them feel good <laughs> uh, but that's true all so. right well i appreciate that i tell you what you the two of the best three looking guys who host inside the gamecocks the show are are sitting right here on the screen too the top two i should say right. the top two. the top two i was about to say phil Why let's have him everywhere hill yeah i appreciate yeah, that i was gonna have him rank us phil <laughs> oh i don't know if my ego can handle that y'all are not any bigger than it already is y'all are tied for second how about that oh man yeah, yeah that's all right <laughs> that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right. Uh, hey, well, the, the beauty contest is worth ten bucks in Monopoly. Uh huh. That's, that's mm-hmm. right. That's what they say. 
Uh, I don't. We this is a three-hour program. I, I I don't know that three hours will be enough today, but we're gonna do our very best, Hale. Um, so let lead us off here. I, I I've got now again these numbers change every two minutes, uh, as we well know. But coming into the show, uh, of the fourteen current SEC teams, and this is not including Oklahoma or Texas just yet, but of the fourteen current. Uh, the Gamecocks have the second most entries into the portal at this time behind Vanderbilt. They've got 16. Uh, the Commodores have 17. And then uh, next behind them is Arkansas with 12. And then, shockingly enough, you know, there's Kentucky with 11, Florida with 10. Anybody kind of figuring it out here? Uh, you know, w- when you don't have a good season, players will leave your program sometimes, um, if not for any other reason. But, uh, Hale, give us the latest, what you've learned here, probably, I'm sure, on a pretty busy Tuesday morning. Oof, I, I don't know that I've really learned anything yet today. I'm just trying to catch my breath from yesterday with, with all the movement that's taking place and really not even just yesterday, the you know, end of last week on through the weekend. It's it's been pretty busy. I, I tried to take a few days off at the end of last week and and things were getting so hectic that I just kind of said, Screw it. I, I I'm I'm clocking in and, and helping out Whittle and, and Alex and JC and Tony and, and trying to trying to get all the information we can and, and get stories written and published and figure out what's happening next. And and it's been a bit of a whirlwind. But uh yeah, here here as we sit on Tuesday, I I I published a story on the Big Spur uh, that just tries to track all, all the offers that that we know about from from portal guys that, that South Carolina's sent out offers to. And it's it's not a complete list because not all the guys that they've offered post about them on Twitter or that we know about, you know, there, there's going to be some, some more that pop up uh, in, in the days that follow, but uh, we're just trying to make some sense of it all and uh, maybe sort through things as the week continues and, and figure out who's going to visit this weekend and on into next week and next weekend and, and uh, moving forward uh, what, what could be next. So it's, it's crazy, but uh, it's, it's exciting and, and keeps us on our toes and, and, you know, it's, it's fun too. It's, it's still new enough to where it's fun. Uh, maybe here in a week or two, I'll be uh, saying a little something different. Fun for him, Mad Dog. This is not fun for coaching staffs who are trying to complete their team <laughs> to figure out who the hell is going to be playing for them. Um, all right. So, and you're, you're right. You know, a lot of the offers that are listed, uh, it's, it, it really can't be complete this time of year. This happens in, in the blink of an eye. But this first visit weekend that's coming up here, Hale, if I've learned anything in this transfer portal era, uh, it's, it's I don't want to say generally, but oftentimes, or maybe probably more often than not, guys that show up on that first weekend in visiting schools, not just at Carolina, but elsewhere around the country, a lot of those dudes end up committing to, the, to those programs. Is that fair to say? And, and if so, based on the guys that we at least – at this point in time, know about who are planning to come to Columbia this weekend is South Carolina seemingly in pretty good shape with some of them. Yeah, it's it, it seems like that's a trend, JB, that that if a guy's visiting a school uh, that first weekend or the first opportunity he has to go out on a visit, uh, it, 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 I think it feels like more often than not that's where he ends up signing. That's just generally speaking, uh, not just at South Carolina, but across the board. My, my counter to that, though, is uh, – sort of topical this morning. Um, if there's a guy who enters the portal, say, for example, Jordan Addison, when he entered the portal from Pitt, before he entered the portal, uh, a lot of people were saying he's going to Southern Cal. 
And all of a sudden he shows up at Texas on a visit and then he goes to Southern Cal and, and he's, you know, the rest is history. Uh, we saw the same thing with Gilbert Edmond last year. A lot of people had a pretty good idea, or at least were saying that uh, it was going to be Florida state before he entered the portal. Then he shows up at Florida for his first visit and signs with Florida state. So it can kind of go both ways. And, and, and it's not, you know, just, just because it X happens, Y is going to take place. Like things, things are different. Each, each guy has his own, you know, path, story, uh, circumstances, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, but yeah, the, to again, to your point, if, if a guy shows up at South Carolina this weekend, uh, there, there's probably a pretty good chance that he's going to end up at South Carolina or if he ends up visiting Tennessee this weekend, then maybe that's not the best example right now. But, but what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that, uh, there will be some guys who visit South Carolina this weekend. Jade McGowan, for example, uh, who, who's probably going to end up in South Carolina. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not always, uh, necessarily cut and dry that way, but, uh, there, there are times where, where it can be for sure. Jaden McGowan, do you remember anything about his recruitment and why he oh, yeah. ended up at Vanderbilt? Okay. Well, walk us through that. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he came to camp at South Carolina, I guess it would have been the summer of 2021. He was, I was going into his senior year at Lawrence, and I, I, I had, I did really still have a decent enough relationship, I guess, with Jaden from covering him and recruiting. And uh, he, he told me all along, like South Carolina was where he wanted to be, it was the offer he wanted. It was really the only offer he, he wanted. And uh, he came to camp, and you know, when when I asked him if he was going anywhere else. For camp, he's like, "Nah, this is my summer. This is this this is all I'm trying to do is is get this offer at South Carolina's camp." Uh, he he did some combine stuff and and performed really well. I don't remember the numbers exactly, but they were they were very good as far as the forty time, the shuttle, the vertical. They were very very good numbers. Uh, staff wanted him to work out, uh, do some on field stuff, but he ended up not doing anything that day because he I think he tweaked a hamstring is what it was. So. Um, ended up not doing on-field drills. Staff kind of went their separate way. Uh, he he ended up committing to Vanderbilt a couple months later, I think it was, and 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 that's sort of how it played out. Um, I, I don't think he had any other Power Five offers out of high school. He had a bunch of Group of Five and FCS, and and had had a lot of options, but um, Vanderbilt was definitely his only SEC offer, and I think his only other, his only Power Five offer out of high school. But um, yeah, if, if anybody's read the interview he did with Phil Cornblue, I guess yesterday, um, yeah, he he's he was a Gamecock growing up and and wanted to be a Gamecock and um, had to spend his first couple of years at Vanderbilt. Yeah, so he's got, I think, about 80 receptions for, you know, over 800 yards or something like that in his career up there. He scored three touchdowns. Um, it, size, uh, from what I understand initially, was was the big knock on him, right? Size, 5'8". He was yeah. Uh, tall. I'm not the tallest guy in the world. Anybody who knows me personally uh, can, can speak to that. Uh, he's not much taller than I am. Right. Um, he's not a big guy. He's he's put together like he's probably like 180 or so pounds. Like he's not skinny by any means. Uh, he's 
he's he's a, he's a good looking athlete. He's just a little compact, if you will. Okay. So maybe that was probably what caused South Carolina the first time through, and and I would imagine a lot of other schools to to be leery of offering him. And um, you know, that's part of the the puzzle or the equation, the crapshoot, whatever you want to call it, when when you're evaluating recruits, whether high school or college or for the pros. Um, you know, there there are going to be things that you, you maybe knock them a little bit when you're trying to grade them out and, and you try to weigh that against some of the other stuff, some of the pros. And, and with this guy, uh, speed is certainly a pro. He, he, he was a state champion in the 100 and 200 meter in high school. Uh, he's super fast. Anybody who's watched him on, on a college football field can speak to that as well. So uh, he can fly. He's just just not the tallest guy. And he does have an offer from South Carolina. Yes. Yes, he does. So we'll be on commitment watch for him this weekend. And then also uh, Vanderbilt has their other two top wide receivers in the portal, Will Shepard and London Humphreys. Any link to the Gamecocks with either one of those guys? Yeah, Shepard, Shepard's posted that he has an offer from South Carolina. I don't know if things are quite as far along with him as they are compared to, to McGowan. Um, he's Shepard's gotten a few more offers than McGowan has. He's – uh, when I, when I looked last night before I clocked out and called it a night, he Shepard had probably like five or six other SEC offers like Auburn, Mississippi State, uh, Ole Miss. Um, whereas McGowan, the only offers he's posted about on on social media are Indiana. I think he picked up Boston College this morning. So uh, I, I think again, anybody who's who's watched these guys would would say that Shepard is, is clearly the better of the two players uh, as a prospect, and, and the stats speak speak to that as well. Uh, Humphreys was uh, said to be, you know, believed to be on the way to Georgia uh, even before he hit the portal. Uh, one of the guys who covers Vanderbilt for 24-7 mentioned that, so uh, I, I don't know that, that that's a definite, but I'll, I'll you know, take – Take that guy, uh, Robbie Weinstein is his name. Uh, take him for for what he's reported. He's he's pretty plugged in at Vanderbilt, and uh, so yeah, I would I would guess he's Humphreys is is UGA bound. The perceived starter moving forward for the Gamecocks is a guy named Lenoris Sellers. Excited to see him play. Uh, an interesting tweet this morning for Brad Crawford, who's going to be following you here on our program. We'll ask him about that when we get to it, pertaining to Lenora Sellers. However, there are other SEC quarterbacks in the portal. Gamecocks are seemingly in the market to add one because behind Lenoris is a guy named Luke Doty, who is, last I heard, still been moved to wide receiver, and then Dante Reno. Everybody else is departing the program uh, to go look for other playing time or, or whatever it may be. Uh, so there really is no experience on this roster, uh, Hale, when it comes to playing quarterback at this level, it feels like they've got to find somebody. Uh, yet yesterday, JC mentioned both AJ Swan and Ken Seals from Vanderbilt uh, as potential options. Uh, we've this morning uh, Steve Wiltfong with an article out. I think you actually referenced it on the BigSpur.com about Brock Vandegrift. Uh, I believe his father stated that the Gamecocks had been in touch. There's a guy down in Alabama who's back in the portal. Tyler Buckner has hit or, entered his name into it as well. There's QBs out there all over the place that are jumping in and jumping out. Any news on the QB front, uh, Hale, and just how difficult do you think it will be for them to lure 
somebody to Columbia because it's not like they've got a senior playing his final year. You got a guy who's just getting cranked up in Lenora Sellers the next couple of years seem to be in his in his breadbasket. Yeah, they have three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster as as you just laid out. That's low. You you need to have more than that. Four is probably the operable number. They had five, I believe, uh, this past season. <clears throat> Excuse me. So so yeah, you you don't want to go into a, a college football season with three scholarship quarterbacks. I don't care if Lenora Sellers was a two year starter and, and a Heisman candidate. You need more than more than three, and uh, like you said, JB, they they've got uh, Luke Doty as their most experienced guy, and and he, I, I think he took a snap at quarterback this year. I can't remember if he maybe in the Furman game, but but yeah, he's he's been a receiver, and uh, Dante Reno hadn't even signed yet, and and Lenoris played like sixteen snaps. Sorry uh, for that noise that keeps pop popping up on Slack. There, let me close that out. If anybody can hear that. Um. <laughs> hey, JC's generally on this program. We hear all kinds of stuff in the background. It's all good, man. Is yeah. Popular yeah. Man? yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Dogs, lawnmowers. <laughs> I mean, you name it. I mean, there's always something going on. Um, But, yeah, the Carolina needs needs another quarterback just for the sake of the numbers at the position. Uh, as everyone knows, the, the staff is committed to Sellers being the guy Moving forward for for the future, long term, um, whether or not um, they can bring somebody in who who can compete with them is is I don't I don't know that there there's a lot of quarterbacks out there who are looking to transfer who would see an opportunity at South Carolina and and know that that there's three scholarship quarterbacks and and one's a freshman one and even here and one's played mostly receiver. Like, I don't think there are a lot of quarterbacks who would look at that and be like, oh, damn, Lenore Sellers, you know, this freshman's a stud, apparently. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go compete for the job. Like, if there, are guys, there, if there are quarterbacks who are looking to go start day one and, and be guaranteed a starting spot, South Carolina is not the place because they're not guaranteeing that. But if South Carolina wants to go out and pursue some quarterbacks and say, hey, We've got some young guys, a lot of inexperience, and, and you've got it. We'll, we'll give you a chance to compete. We're not handing you the job, but you can compete for it. Um, then, then that's that's sort of the neighborhood that they're in right now. And of course, it's tied to NIL uh, naturally. And and if you're a quarterback, and depending on how good you are, that's you know you can get more money. Like we all know that. Um, so there's probably a, a tier of guy. AJ Swan or Ken Seals, for example, who who could be sorta of in the ballpark for South Carolina as, as as they try to get another quarterback. I don't know that it'll necessarily be either one of those guys, but sort of that echelon of player, uh someone who who could be uh you know a transfer quarterback for South Carolina here in this you know this if, turn. Mm-hmm. Do you know Hale if they're looking for like a certain kind of you know, a certain type of quarterback in the portal. I mean, one would assume that you're going to go with more dual threat uh, scheme with Lenoris being the starter next year and need somebody to kind of fill in that gap behind. I guess Luke would be the obvious choice there, but I don't believe Mr. Reno is known for, uh, you know, being a top dual threat guy. Yeah, he, he's not a dual threat guy, but he, he can run a little bit, actually. He's, he's not as athletic as Lenoris, certainly, and Doty, uh, but 
but yeah, I don't, I don't know that they're necessarily intent on saying, Hey, let's go get a, a guy who's, who's a really, really good athlete and is a dual threat quote unquote. I, I think it's probably just more along the lines of the best, the best guy you can get at, at the level of, of prospect you're, you're sort of targeting, if that makes sense. So uh, whether that guy can beat you with his legs or probably not do a whole lot with his legs, I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to uh, affect things one one way or the other. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think it's probably just best best guy they can get and and uh, sort of go from there. Hey, I'm a grand hand, the Big Spur, 11.22 a.m. here on this Tuesday, December the fifth. All right, Hale, with the running back position, Carolina needs to add one there. They uh, have a current commitment in Matthew Fuller, and they seem to be trending in the right direction for Daniel Hill, which certainly would be a good would be good news if Mario Anderson returns. You bring those two uh, young men in. You add DJ Braswell to the mix. Juju comes back healthy. Now you got a running back room all of a sudden. But my understanding is they are still going to add somebody from the transfer portal. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not exactly sure where I fit into this. I don't know that I should be mentioning the names that have been mentioned to me. Hale, you, you certainly are free to do that. You're the reporter in this, but a couple of names have popped up that have been passed along. Uh, looks like South Carolina's got some some talented targets out there at this point. Yeah, there there have been a lot of names that are floating around, uh, and names that have been posted on the site um, as far as transfer uh, possibilities. Don Chaney, the guy from Miami, has has come up. JC's been uh, on that one, and and I I don't know that he's going to be in for a visit this weekend. JC reported on the site yesterday that there are some concerns about injuries that that he's sustained over the years, and uh, the staff certainly wants to be careful with that. Uh, it's a position where obviously guys get banged up and. We all know what happened to the team this year and uh, guys getting hurt. And uh, so, so you can't really afford to, to have that happen. I mean, Christian Bill Smith in 2022, we thought he was going to be the complimentary back to Marshawn Lloyd and he couldn't stay on the field last season because he was healthy. Didn't have any injury concerns from, from what I knew at Wake Forest. So uh, I, I think the staff is trying to, to do – all of their due diligence that way. Uh, but, yeah, there, there are others. Uh, Georgia State running back, uh, I think it's Matthew Carroll, who's, who's in the portal now, rushed for 1,100 yards in 10 games. This past season is a guy we're keeping an eye on. Uh, yep. A couple of the North Carolina transfers, George Petaway, um, Antoine Green. I'm surprised I haven't forgotten a name yet. But but those two guys are, uh, are in play. We, we, nobody's – Posted about an offer, and this goes back to to what I was talking about with with offers being posted. You know, not every not every guy is going to post an offer when they're in the portal. Uh, we don't know 100 percent for sure which of these running backs has an offer. Who, for all we know, they haven't offered any. I I don't think that's necessarily the case, but uh, it, it's it's a very fluid thing. So I, I would encourage folks to to be patient with this position in particular when when it comes to the portal because. Um, you know, you can just look back to, again, last year around this time when they brought in Micah Bernard, the, the guy from Utah, for a visit and decided once they had him on campus and were able to go over some medical stuff that they didn't want to make a move on because of the injury concerns. Um, 
So just because a guy has an offer, just because he visits, doesn't mean he's necessarily going to even be a take. It's it can again, it can change. Um, so yeah, I just want folks to be patient with with this running back uh, <laughs> process in the portal. It's probably hard to do given the way things went last year at, at that position in the portal. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll do our best for for everyone who's listening and watching. Um, we'll do our best to, to keep you all updated on, on the big spur. Uh, so if you're not a user, sign up. We'll, we'll hopefully have, have a, an update at that position yeah. um, sooner than later. If you, if you want to get your, yeah, if you want to get your information from people and not named Twitter, uh, might be a good <laughs> idea to sign up to the big spur.com. Let me ask you about a, a, a young man who is out of Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, in the portal running back from Oklahoma, Dalen Smothers, anything on him? Yeah, I, I would think that that's a guy that South Carolina's uh, interested in for sure. Yeah, that okay. Jason and I were talking yesterday, and that's that's another one to, to keep an eye on. And you know that as much of, of a need as this position is, like you also have to if if you're South Carolina, you also have to be careful. I don't know if that's the right word, but. You want to make sure you get it right. So you don't want to just – and I'm not trying to say this about Smothers. I'm just going on a tangent here. Uh, you, you want to make sure that you evaluate the guys and get the best one possible. And and uh, that that's part of the challenge. It's, it's a juggling act uh, that, that goes into this transfer portal process that's in such a condensed window and, and it's happening so fast. Um, so anyway, yeah, Smothers is a guy that, that we're – keeping an eye on. Um, I, I could rant all day about running back recruiting and where this, this roster was at this season. Uh, there, there've been a lot of, a lot of things to digest over the last 12 months or so, but uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can have some news that'll get folks excited. Uh, Cause I'm sure tired of, of the him and Holland and all that about running back recruiting on, on the message board. The other side of the field, uh, the defensive line, uh, multiple targets there for the Gamecocks. Uh, I'm not sure that any of those names are uh, to a point where they can be public just yet, Hale, but the understanding is that it is a major point of emphasis for the staff here during the portal period. Which part? I'm, I'm sorry, I missed the first part. What's your, your question? Was? Oh, I'm sorry, Waterboy. No, I'm kidding. Defensive line. Oh, D-line. Yep. Yeah, that, yeah they've uh... – They've sent out a couple offers here early on. Um, yeah, they're 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 trying to to shore things up for sure. Um, and again, like the portal just opened yesterday to everybody. It will be open for another look at my calendar, uh, another month. So yeah, there, there's a long way to go. Uh, just because a lot's happened offer wise within the last 24 to 30 hours or whatever it's been since the thing opened up. There's more to come. There, there will be more to come. So, yeah. No way. No way. There can't be any more to come. We have to have all the answers right now. Yeah. Uh, on, it's Again, it's early, you know, but you are seeing movement. You look up, up the road at the upstate. Gamecock fans are always going to compare what's going on in their program to that team in the upstate and vice versa. Uh, they've made some major coaching changes. It is expected South Carolina's coaching staff will probably look – at least a little bit different in 2024. Hale, any idea on uh, on on what the timeline of some of those changes may look like at this point? I, I don't have any specifics uh, to get into right now. 
I, I think if anybody who's follow, following close enough and, and knows how things can kind of work, um, signing day, early signing period is um, sort of a landmark to keep in mind. Uh, so December 20th, um, early early January um, on into, you know, February uh, for the traditional signing day. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, th- again, like th- things are happening. It may, maybe not at the speed that some folks would prefer or, or think they should, should happen, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a long way to go before these things have to be finalized and, and all that. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Final, I, this is a final question for you and then we'll let you, let you get to work. And then, uh, once you get to work and you post that information, uh, Phil and I will regurgitate all that information over the next two hours as our own. And we will not be crediting <laughs> you for any of that. Just so you know, um, because that is the new trend in sports media. Uh, again, 16, I'm just kidding. 16 names currently in the portal for South Carolina. It's a two part question. Uh, one, do you think it's over or could there be, you know, maybe a couple more that trickle out? I know, again, as you already mentioned, there's 29 days left. There's a lot of stuff that can happen, but I'm just saying, based on the information that you have now, the second part of the question any of the names that have entered into the portal who potentially could pull their name out of the portal and remain with the Gamecocks? I, I don't know that, that that's going to happen. Um, okay. Pretty much everyone who's who's officially entered the portal from South Carolina, uh, we knew about. I, I don't think there were any surprises, just trying to jog through my memory. Um, but I, I don't know that, that anybody is a candidate to, to, to return. If, if you look at the list of names, most of them are guys who hadn't played a lot. So those are typically going to be the the types of players who are trying to go elsewhere because uh, they want to get more playing time. You know, obviously Juice Wells and Mitch Jeter and Omega Blake to uh to a degree are well, Kawan Banks surprised me a little bit though, Hale. Yeah, you know, but he, he hadn't played a whole lot. And yeah. I would imagine he wants to play. Uh He's probably uh, maybe just a slightly lesser degree than like Omega Blake, um, fair as a guy who who played a little bit but not a ton. Um, so yeah, I, I, and I guess the big question is: is there anybody who is a starter or, or plays a lot? Or are they going to leave? And you know, the the one name that's kind of out there still that that had been mentioned uh, in recent days is Adana Fortune, and um, he hasn't entered yet. And I don't know that that he will. Um, but that's kind of the main one we're keeping an eye on at this point. Cause you know, there was the Tonka Hemingway chatter that uh, has since ended and Boogie Huntley, which has since ended. Um, then, you know, a couple other guys like Debo who, who was considering uh, the NFL and Mario Anderson, who's was doing that too. Um, so I don't, you know, never say never things could change. You know, guys could, could hop in tomorrow just because, you know, they've, they've said they're coming back doesn't necessarily mean they have to uh, in some instances. So um, it's, again, all very fluid. But, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on some some folks just in case. O'Donnell, the pride of Sumter. Uh, if he returns, it would be his fifth year with the program. Hard to replace experience like that. Yeah, I know he had a couple of rough moments this year, but uh, I'm sure Tori and Gray would love to work with him one more time. So we'll, 
we'll wait and find out. Uh, thanks for all you do, man. I, I know it's it's just turned into the wild, wild west, not only for the for the coaches and the players and, and all those type things, but certainly for the guys that keep up with it like you. But you do as good of a job as anybody out there, and we're, we're always honored to have you on Tuesdays, brother. Well, I appreciate you saying that and always have a good time with you boys, whether it's the top two most handsome or the top three or – um, some other combination. Okay. Always, always a good time. <laughs> yeah, since JC JC in here, so he can't be you know part of this. He's out. He's fourth. Is the way that I look yeah. at it. So I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, well, you're not, is he here? No, he's not here. So he can't be. You know, he can't be in the mix for this award. This is a, this is an outstanding award. Hale, thanks, man. Have a wonderful day. All right, see you guys. There you go, Hale McGrandon with BigSpur.com. We are served by Chicken Cock. And you can find it in the app, the Chief Sports app. Just click on the Chicken Cock Challenge, type in your address, and whatever location is closest to you, it'll show you who's got it. Go buy it and serve it on the rocks this holiday season. Brad Crawford is waiting patiently. He'll hop in when we return here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cold Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. 
always honoring the bravest that America's got here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back. It is a Tuesday, beautiful Tuesday afternoon, and Brad Crawford is as busy as anybody out there this time of the year, but it's the most beautiful time of the year, the Christmas season. Brad, we're glad to have you in here, and thanks for making some time for us because I know you don't have much of it. I'll tell you what, man, after the SEC championship game three years ago, that was my dead time before Christmas. Now, December might be my busiest time of the year from coaching carousel to transfer portal. NIL 2024 is coming in. It's a busy time to be a college football media person. Well, we were going to try to keep you for all three hours today, but uh, Phil said that you 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 declined. So uh, we'll maximize the next 25 minutes with you. What's the latest from your end on the portal? Yeah, Clemson's lost two starting DBs last two days. Tory Pride, he uh, met with 24-7 Sports yesterday in Nashville. We, we, we had him on several of our national shows. And then this morning, Andrew Makuba, star safety, multi-year starter, leaving Death Valley. I think Missouri and Texas are the two schools to watch for those guys, two SEC schools, Texas joining next season. And then some other SEC breaking notes to pass along. Mississippi State quarterback commit for 2024, Josh Flowers decommitted this morning. That leads me to believe that Mississippi State has a portal quarterback in mind ahead of Jeff Levy's first season. And I think that could be K.J. Jefferson at this point. What about Brock Vandegrift? Oh, he's going to be a guy who has several SEC offers. I know South Carolina is interested. Kentucky, I think right now, is the leader sort of inside the media industry. Um, You know, they're going to replace Devin Leary with a pro-style passer and Vandegrift kind of fits that skill set there in Lexington. Mm. Yeah, so he okay. Uh, so he wants he wants to be the next one in line up there. Okay, all right. All right. Liam, Liam Cohen coaches him up, man. You know he he almost turned Will Levis into a first rounder. So that's what I heard. Yeah, and Devin Leary too. Okay. Uh, so back to Jefferson here. Yeah. Clearly, he had uh, you know there the rumors out there connecting him to the Gamecocks not too yeah. long ago, but. Um, you know, we were just having this discussion with Hale just a minute ago. I'm going to try to connect the dots here and let you break it down and decipher it for us. Carolina needs to add a quarterback too, but they don't. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't necessarily have a starting position to offer anybody, so right. it's going to be difficult for them to draw somebody to that room. What type of quarterback do you think that they will find? Would it be maybe an upper FCS style guy who's looking to kind of make the next step to this level? And then, you know, when you lump in guys like K.J. Jefferson and, uh, and others, although they might be interested in South Carolina and their offensive scheme and those type things, it just not it might be good timing. Yeah, the, the latest on K.J. Jefferson is this. I, I talked to some guys this morning. Everybody associated with Arkansas expects him to enter the portal. No one currently knows what the issue is, why he hasn't done so yet. South Carolina's chances were, like, top of the priority list last week when he was supposed to enter as a graduate transfer. I think that ship in Columbia has probably sailed. The Gamecocks, like you said, certainly aren't going to wait around for a quarterback with this market so expansive as it is at the position. You know, Gamecock staff is comfortable moving forward with Lenora Sellers as the man in charge next season and maybe signing a serviceable veteran behind him along with Dante Reno and Luke Doty in tow. Because we don't we don't know what position Luke Doty is going to play next season. I was told the Gamecocks are looking at signing two portal quarterbacks. So that would lead me to believe that Doty is staying in a, right now, a ultra-thin wide receiver room. But if I had to predict right now on on December 5th, I think you have Lenora Sellers as your QB1 next spring. There's going to be a competition for QB2. 
and then Dante Reno as the fourth guy, likely a red shirt. Okay, yeah, it's so we're only per, pertaining to the portal here. We are only a, thirty-six hours into it, I guess. For undergrads, yeah, yeah, thirty, yeah, thirty-six hours into the portal. How do you compare where we are this early to where we were last year at this point in time? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. The first like four hours yesterday, from about seven a.m. Eastern to right around lunchtime was just massive with Kyle McCord entering Ohio State quarterback. You have several other Power 5 starters entering. Aiden Childs, freshman star at Oregon State, now leaving with Uyunglele, probably going to Michigan State. And then things died down. I talked to one of our portal insiders this morning, and he doesn't expect there to be a ton of big names now entering the portal as we saw yesterday. So things are slowing down. There's obviously more names already in the portal for the 24-25 cycle than there was, you know, last season, which is just crazy. And I think a lot of these guys, JB, are are not going to be starters wherever they sign with. You know, we we see 80% of portal guys every year wind up signing with teams that they were probably in a better situation with the team they left. And then I I think um, as the regular season has ended, a lot more coaching staffs now are keeping in mind that 85 scholarship total. And they are meeting with a lot of these portal guys and saying, look, there's probably no room for you next year. You haven't started for us the last two or three seasons here. So you might be better off moving on and trying to find playing time elsewhere. I think a lot of fans, JB, think that all these portal exits are strictly NIL related. No, I I would say the vast majority are bench players who are trying to find opportunity somewhere else. That's interesting. And, and But we only report on the big names, you know. Of course we do. Why, why would we do anything different? Yeah, you're, and you're right. I mean, there's going to at some point in time somebody's going to have some information out there, like some data points that right. we'll be able to use. Uh, you know, basically putting all that together. Um, so are, you have your well. Let me back up here. There's a guy in the state who tells people he has his ear to the ground. You actually have your ear to the ground about things. Yeah. Um, how is this? now affecting coaching staffs in the changes that head coaches want to make or the changes that ADs want to make at the top? Because you look up the road at Clemson, uh, they have just made a couple of big-name hires, and uh, Chris Chris Rump, who did apply for the South Carolina job a couple of years ago, in case anybody yeah. was wondering, and Matt Luke, I think really good hires for them. Shane Beamer is expected to probably have some changes on his staff, whether those are voluntary, you know, guys moving elsewhere or Shane, uh, you know, kind of creating those changes uh, himself. Um, but none of that has happened yet. And and so I find it really interesting how certain institutions, Brad, handle some of this versus others. South Carolina is a place that needs to keep as much talent as they possibly can. So can you kind of can kind of tie the ends up for me yeah. here and, and tell me what you've heard on that? You know, if if you're a team not in bowl season, you have to prioritize your December schedule. I was talking to somebody within South Carolina's football program last week, and he was telling me how the next 45 days is like sun up to sundown. We're working. College football coaches now, for the first time ever, they are earning these, you know, seven and eight million dollar contracts, not just head coaches either. I'm I'm talking, you know, personnel guys, recruiting guys, assistants, coordinators. And I think at South Carolina, the reason Shane Beamer hasn't announced any changes yet, um, whether he makes them or not, is priority number one right now in Columbia 
is talent retention, which we've seen a lot of Garnet Trust announcements here recently of returning starters who are inking contracts to stay. It's crazy that we're even saying that in, in this new era. You have to re-recruit you know, your own players that you've developed for several years, but that's where we are now. And then I think party number two is you know, getting guys on campus in the portal. And if Shane's having to worry about making personnel decisions to his staff and interviews and that sort of thing, well, that pushes the whole recruiting thing back a few weeks. Thankfully for South Carolina, actually, is they don't have bowl practice to worry about here in a couple weeks and preparing to you know, play a 13th game. This is the one uh, positive of winning five games this season is you're not going to play a meaningless bowl game, so to speak. And this is coming from a guy that absolutely loves bowl season. Um, you know, the, the more games, the merrier. But, um, yeah, right now, December, the way the NCAA has set up the recruiting calendar, it's made college football coaches' lives a, a living hell. And meanwhile, 99% of players are now free agents and they're going to the highest bidder. Just a couple of years ago, and I spoke to Shane about this, I don't want to say privately, but not on the air. Sure. It's not like we were just sitting in a room having beers. But um, he, he said, you know, I would also like to be able to enjoy Christmas with my family at some point in time. Yeah. And here I am on Christmas Eve taking phone calls. Uh, I'm a I'm a Christmas guy. Uh, Brad, you and I think very similarly in, you know, the meaning of Christmas and, and sure. all those type of things. Um, I, I, and I, I, a lot of people don't hear that. They don't feel that when a coach says it. All they do is look at it and go, well, you're getting paid all this money. Figure it out. I don't see it that way. I don't care how much money you're getting paid. You still deserve to have that family time. And and I do wonder if at some point in time, uh, although they have adjusted the portal from 45 to 30 days, if there will be future adjustments with everything that crosses over at one time. You got the early signing period. You got the portal and all this, that, and the other. Have you heard anything on that front of whether adjustments could be coming, additional adjustments could be coming even after the ones we had last year? Let me tell you a quick Christmas story real fast, and then I'll then I'll address that. I, I, I remember several years ago on Christmas Eve, I was off work, but I was sort of on call in case something broke involving South Carolina. And damn if I didn't get a text that Shaq Rowland was was leaving. And that happened on Christmas Eve that that offseason. It's just crazy. Now, December 24th now in my head is synonymous with my dad's birthday and Shaq Rowland leaving Columbia. So just kind of crazy there. But, yeah, man, the – the, the coaches I've spoke to, they they all want the NCAA to move this transfer portal 30-day window to after January 1st. That would make everything so much easier. You can get your 2024s on uh, campus, talk to those guys, get those guys signed, and then you determine how many scholarships you have left for portal guys. That would make the most sense, in my opinion. Why? Like, why I mean, have it I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know, you know, why why hasn't the NCAA limited NIL? Why haven't they capped NIL or even made the first NIL guideline? This is going on two and a half recruiting cycles now where it's no holds barred. And if you're one of the haves in college football, a top 10 program, you can just pluck who you want from the portal. You don't have to be, um, you know, you can be super selective. You don't have to just take risk on guys. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting. We, we are going to see changes soon. This is not sustainable for college football, um, especially at the Arkansas's, Ole Misses, and, and South Carolinas of the world. I, I just have to ask you this, and I'm asking this. If Juice Wells is watching this program, I hope he understands I'm asking it very respectfully. No disrespect to him at all. Gamecocks don't win those final two games last year without him. He, 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 he was a phenomenal player when he was on the field. 
Uh, are you in the camp of, man, going to be hard to replace that guy or in the camp of, uh, there's another Juice Wells out there. They'll be okay. If I'm a, if I'm a diehard Gamecock fan looking at this, I'm thinking I'm going to be in the seats at Wiggins Bryce next September and pull for whoever 22 guys Shane Beamer rolls out there. That's that's what I think the common fan really thinks about NIL, the portal, and recruiting. I'm going to root for the school. I'm not rooting necessarily for the for the player. Now, from from Juice's standpoint, if I'm Juice Wells and I'm making X amount in South Carolina, and for some reason another program is going to pay me double, then look. I mean, I, I see Juice's point of view on this. He has no allegiance to Carolina. Sometimes I think fans kind of misconstrue that. He went from James Madison to South Carolina and now likely another program. Now, I will say this. After talking to people, South Carolina did more for Juice Wells than any program he's going to potentially sign with. Yep. And and what that means to Juice, I don't know. But um, two years of eligibility left. He's obviously a difference maker. At the position, I, I rated him 93 overall in our portal as one of the top-rated receivers on the market. But I don't think this will be devastating to South Carolina's offense next season. The most important aspect was always going to be, is Lenora Sellers a baller in 2024? And can they block for Lenora Sellers? That's that's the two factors for me that mean mean everything for South Carolina. I think if you're South Carolina, the conversation you're having is, uh, who, who do we replace Xavier Leggett with? Sure. Uh, you know, that guy who busted, as you know what, for years to get out there and then all of a sudden became had the second best season in the history of Gamecock football for a wide receiver. It was just an, an and imagine if he wasn't going to the NFL. You know what kind of money he would command? Oh, twice as much as Juice Wells. I'll say that. Yeah. Here's an interesting name in the portal, guys. Ohio quarterback Curtis Rourke He's thrown for over seventy two hundred yards and forty seven touchdowns in the last couple of years. For the Bobcats, somebody will be – that's one of those interesting names, lower-level guy, does he get a shot at a big Power 5 program. All right, um, Brad, uh, obviously – program's getting plucked again. And, see, we don't we don't talk about that. How about the fans of James Madison right now, the fans of Toledo that just lost their multi-time quarterback player of the year? G5 football is uh, taking a massive hit because of the portal. It's not just the Juice Wells leaving the South Carolina types. It's – it's these starring attractions at G5 programs that leave, and then the coaches are like, we we can't find a guy like him. Sean goes down yeah, every year at Georgia State. Yep. Look at Coastal. Yeah, Coastal yeah, yeah. lost their uh, collective. Shut East Carolina's O-line got, got raided last year by multiple SEC schools, and ECU won twice, two games this year because of it. So 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 with all that set, Phil, I'm sorry, I, I just no, I was just going to say, you know, I mean, I saw anecdotally, I haven't looked at been able to verify or double check the numbers, but, you know, outside of the power five, there are five times more names from yeah. lower level. Yeah. Programs. I mean, it's just you're you're going to devastate these smaller schools. And and you can't fault those G5 guys for wanting to get an opportunity elsewhere, because most of these G5 programs that do have collectives. I mean, we're we're talking five hundred grand total. That like, that's the that's the number that Mike Houston at ECU has asked his fan base for five hundred grand. I mean that that signs a starting right tackle in the SEC, and that's it. You know, so um, yeah. If if I'm the fan of a G five program right now, you you guys just mentioned Coastal waving the white flag with this collective this week. Uh, it's it's 
it's dire right now. Well, it's time. The NCAA's got to figure it out, or else yeah. the, these schools, these athletic departments are going to collapse. They're going to be asking the government for assistance, and God knows we don't want that. So, um, yeah, not. I, I, uh, I think this is asinine. Um, Brad, the uh, we only got about five minutes left, so I want to pack as much into this as we possibly can here. Um, coaching hires thus far. Uh, give it, give us a grade on what we've seen in the SEC. Yeah, I'm not sure on the Jeff Lebby hire. I'm I'm sort of a wait and see to see who he gets in the portal because Mississippi State needs some uh, serious stars at several positions. Losing Tulo Griffin to the NFL means, you know, they have a guy who averages 15 yards a touch. They're not going to have next season. Will Rogers at quarterback, um, leaning toward Washington. That's what I'm hearing there. He could, he could explode next year at Washington, by the way, with Kalen DeBoer. But Jeff Lebby has to sign a quarterback. Maybe Dylan Gabriel, you know, follows him to Mississippi State. I think K.J. Jefferson, if he enters, he's an option there. But the Jeff Lebby hire in Starkville sort of feels like when Ole Miss hired Matt Luke a few years ago, and that ended after like two and a half years. Okay. So I'm I'm not really sold on that. Um, I think the Michigan State hire of Jonathan Smith at Oregon State is probably one of my favorite uh, landings so far because not only do you get Jonathan Smith, but you're probably going to get three or four of his best players from Oregon State to join him. That's the thing too, fellas, with the transfer portal and these new coaching hires. You know, you you can expect to sign a coach to a five-year contract, and you might just get a handful of his best guys for the next one or two seasons as well. All right. Uh, Elko seems like a good hire slash safe hire. Yeah, safe's a a good assessment of that. Probably what they need, to be honest with you. Um, A couple of quick reactions. I I think that Syracuse hiring Fran Brown is a really neat hire for them. the Willie Fritz to Houston hire, I think, is a great hire for Houston. This is just what I think, Brad. You can tell me where I'm wrong, but I'll also it's a be great interested. move for Fritz too, because you know this is this is the last year of Michael Pratt at Tulane. He's won like three straight ten win seasons, so this was Fritz' time to jump. We see it all the time. G five coaches they have to bank on these like great seasons and and leave for that Power Five job. That's a great point, and he's done nothing but prove everybody wrong consistently. Willie has. What about Duke? Where does Duke turn? And, and another interesting one, at least for this school, has had a history of uh, t- of taking coaches in multiple sports, baseball and football, at least from South Carolina. Middle Tennessee State is an interesting landing spot for the right guy as well. Yeah, I think it would be. And, and Duke's a job where Mike Elko just proved that in two seasons he had back-to-back winning seasons. You're, you're going to get a different class of athlete, I think, at Duke as well, someone that a, a – you know, player that can master a playbook quickly. Um, having Riley Leonard leave and likely sign with Notre Dame probably hurts the next coach. I don't know what the quarterback room looks like there in Durham, but, you know, the, the ACC is at the bottom of the Power Five barrel as far as competition in that league. So if you have a serviceable quarterback and you play well defensively, like Mike Elko has shown these last two years in Durham, you can, you can get to a bowl game at Duke. And and that's the expectation. They're they're not expecting a guy to come in there and go nine and three every year. You need to get to six wins at Duke, get back to respectability, and um, they're they're probably going to look for a, I would think a sitting FCS or or G five head coach there. James Madison's Kurt Signetti took the job at Indiana. That was a little surprising to me. Uh, is that a yeah, good fit for him? He took the bag. I don't I don't think he's going to win there. That is a very hard job. God, you know, it's getting harder. Almost a Vanderbilt type job, uh, mm-hmm. comparing SEC and Big Ten, and you know he's sort of um, 
kicked the hornet's nest his first night there at assembly hall mentioning how he's going to beat michigan ohio state next season yeah oh boy unless, unless there's some billionaire running their collective i don't think that's happening oh no <laughs> uh, say, did he bring more money with him that he's actually right. taking from school there oh god <laughs> Has but he paid you know attention? What, you know what, he'll be he'll be there four seasons. He'll have a major buyout, and that that's what the coaching profession is now. Did the college football playoff committee get it right? Well, I predicted that they'd leave Florida State out and they'd make history, and that's exactly what happened. But to me, the biggest surprise is Georgia falling five spots from the number one team all season to number six. I think Georgia right now would beat Michigan. I think Georgia right now would beat Washington. Now, I don't think you can put a 12-1 and team above those two, but we're going to get a very interesting playoff. And if, if I had to lay odds right now, I think Alabama's the favorite. I, I picked them in August to win the national championship. I gotta, I gotta, I'm got going to die on that hill. I did not. Um, this is Saban's best coaching job, in my opinion. I, I, I thought coming into the year, I thought everybody's questioning this cat. He's the last dude in college football I could ever question. Yeah. Uh, but they they did they they got it whatever he did down in South Florida he sent the message they figured it out, um, yeah so I I I actually have made the argument okay well uh, Florida State may have been left out but I could make the argument the next team that should get in behind Alabama is Georgia, but I agree that's that's just you know I, I get it I get all the arguments finally who deserves to win and who will win the Heisman Trophy, I think Jaden Daniels this is this is the weakest field though fellas in in several years. And Marvin Harrison is not the best wide receiver in the country. If you've watched the Pac-12 this season, Romeo Dunze had some spectacular games, and he was he was one of the best players out there for the Huskies. But Jay, you, you think Daniels wins it? I think he wins it, without a doubt. Okay. Yeah. I have no idea who wins it. I agree. I think it's wide open. I have no clue. I think, I think it's wins. good for football, though. I think it'll be it'll it'll add some intrigue to the Heisman ceremony yeah. this weekend. I think Bo Nix had a chance had they won the Pac-12, but. That, that oh, just... yeah. When Washington won, I was like, "Well, Jaden Daniels just won the Heisman." That was yep. my initial reaction to that game. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Phil, you got to get Hale back on. Apparently, it's his birthday, and we didn't get to sing him "Happy Birthday." Oh man, is it really? your birthday? Is it Brad? Not... Five, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your your, your birthday yeah, today or coming up is something before? <laughs> Guys, I mean, come on, JC, you got to be better. That's crazy, uh, Brad. You are excellent as always. Uh, I, w- I wish we could get you more often. We know how busy you are, but great report. We'll continue. I'll tell you exactly what we told Hale. We will monitor all of your information. We'll regurgitate it as our own. We will not credit you for that. Sounds great, man. Used to it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I was about to I'm say, sure I mean, <laughs> like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what you do now? That's yeah, it's my information. No, I didn't get it from him. Oh, okay. Right. At least you don't <laughs> screenshot it and throw it on Twitter, right? Oh, man. Ear to the ground, Brad. Ear to the ground, man. Having the fingers for that. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. <laughs> Brad, have a wonderful week, man. Um, if we don't talk to you before, Merry Christmas. And thanks, thanks for all buddy. you do for college football and all the great fans in it. Phil, JV, see y'all later, man. See you, brother. Yeah, there you go. Brad Crawford, 24 7 Sports. We'll talk to him before Christmas. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure we get him back. We'll have to. Portal time. All right. Carolina barbecuesauce.com that's Billy G's you hear me? you get the trifecta the, the Hall of Fame pack carolinabarbecuesauce.com you can order it have it delivered to your doorstep shove it in the stockings this holiday season carolinabarbecuesauce.com Mike Morgan the Golden Tones 
up next. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my
past noon on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back, JB, Phil, and the golden tones of the great Mike Morgan here in Power Hour, live from the Sinorama Studios, always, and built by the Barndo Coat, the barndominiumcoat.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. I want to remind you what I said just a little bit ago as well. CarolinaBarbecueSauce.com for the best stuff stocking stuffers you could dream any man that doesn't want barbecue sauce and carolina spice rub to you know ribs barbecue brisket whatever it is probably in the man carolina barbecue sauce.com it'll be dropped off at your doorstep uh from billy g's carolina barbecue mike it's been a moving and grooving type day around here we've been joined back to back by hale mcgranahan hmm. And uh, Brad Crawford with 24-7 Sports. You've got Heisman mm. stuff going on. you got playoff stuff going on. you got portal stuff going on. There's this thing called basketball that's being played. The Gamecocks have an enormous game tomorrow night up in the upstate against that team from the upstate, if you will, and so much more. But we're always glad to have you. And uh, JC can't be here today because of work-related things, but it's all right. We can handle it for the next couple of hours, my man. Good to see you guys. Uh, I think – the real reason behind JC's dismissal, and I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but um, I, the integrity compels me to tell this part of the story. Uh, last night in the Five Star Fantasy Football League, JC and I went head to head for the final playoff spot. Mm. Winner gets in, loser goes home. JC, uh, I, I was up 20 going into the night, but I was still an underdog because the, the league that we do uh, is very quarterback. If, if your quarterback is one of the elite quarterbacks, I made sure the scoring system was you'd be rewarded for it. Not having like the 27th tailback should be more valuable than Pat Mahomes. How, is that, how does that make any sense? So uh, he had Trevor Lawrence. I had Evan McPherson, the Bengals kicker. Trevor Lawrence had three touchdowns total, like, in a blink of an eye. Boom, boom, boom. And McPherson had a field goal attempt from 57. He's got enough leg to hit it, but he missed it. It hit the crossbar, thunk, and went forward instead of through. At that point, I'm cussing the TV. I'm like, okay, but it's over. And when most of America went to sleep, Lawrence got hurt, and I don't wish that on anybody. Um and then McPherson hit a 50-something yarder, which you get extra points based on distance, to put it into overtime and a 40-something yarder to win it, and I won by point three points. Oh. Point, so he probably went to sleep thinking, it's in the bag, I beat Morgan, I'm going to the playoff. <laughs> and then he woke up this morning and he said, well, that's got to be a typo. What the hell is that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Poor JC. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that is like the luckiest God. win I've ever had in uh, in fantasy football. But that being said, so yeah, it's been a busy um, forty eight hours. I I I, did, I I filled in on the Buck Baloo show on six eighty the fan today, which uh, was was the final piece on my bingo card. I've I've done every show on six eighty here in Atlanta, and um, I did that one today, and and that show uh, is. You know, Atlanta is a it's a weird market because as I call it, it's the Mecca of college football. But you also I mean it's nonstop Braves, Falcons, some Hawks, 
you cover the gamut. So sometimes college football, particularly on a Monday, uh, in this case a Tuesday, gets lost in the shuffle. But I made sure that wasn't happening. Uh, I, I had Tim Brando on. We had an incredible discussion. Um, and and I, I went back and forth on why I thought the committee got it right. And to further that, just so nobody can accuse me of 2020 hindsight, J.C. and I did a live J.C. and Morgan 1130 on Sunday morning with the committee making its selection a little after noon. So we each laid out why we thought it should be the way it is, and then we heard the committee, and then we did a little post game, and we had record numbers. Um, And I know a lot of the people that listen to this show also double duty uh, J.C. and Morgan, so thank you for that. But it was uh, it was a lot of fun. My point being that uh, college football, the only good thing to come out of all that controversy is that on a Monday during the NFL season, I don't care where you are in major market uh, radio or if you're watching ESPN or Fox, it's all NFL, 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 NFL. It's the 500-pound gorilla. You cannot – an awful NFL game on Thursday night outrates almost anything college does. I get it. Like the NFL, you've got to cover it. But college football does not get the national exposure it should get day after day after day during the fall. Well, yesterday was the rare exception to that rule because all the carnival barkers that ignore it all year long decided, well, i got to give a hot take to this. So college football ruled the roost on every radio show, on every TV show, all Monday long. And I made sure, damn it, we continued more of that here in Atlanta on a Tuesday. And I know we're going to talk about it on this fine program today the one and only ITG as part of the burgeoning Chief Sports Network. Yeah, we're going to do it right now. We're going to take a little bit of a break from the portal because uh, there's nothing to report on the portal. We've done that for the last Vandegrift's hour. Vandegrift's leaving we'll, Georgia. We'll Anybody start, want Vandegrift? Yeah, Anybody? he's he's got Mississippi State, Kentucky, and the Gamecocks have all He looked pretty out. good in the Carolina uh, uniform. That's a five-star kid that anywhere else he'd be playing. But there is a glut of arms, and Carson Beck – Right now is projected somewhere around second round. There's talk he might come back to Athens for another year. Uh, and if that's the case, you know, well, I mean, Vandergriff's gone either way. But there, you look at the portal, man. <laughs> there are some arms in the portal. Like, that is the one place where you can you can just bypass recruiting. And if, you, if you're willing to pony up enough money and you got enough things going on, the bells and whistles that make it an attractive place to go. Obviously, we know Spencer comes to Carolina for one reason mainly, and that's Shane Beamer. Now you've got to be able to be attractive to to quarterbacks in the portal for more than just that. You, you've got to – because I, I don't know how many five-star quarterbacks are, are coming to Columbia. The track record says not many. So I think the Gamecocks' M.O. at that position, if not that position alone, has to be we've got to, we've got to be able to bring in kids in the portal – on a regular basis at the quarterback position. Yeah, and every situation is different. Like, if you're Brock Vandegrift, you're not coming to Carolina. Uh, For one main reason, Lenore Sellers. I mean, if he was a senior, that's different. If it was Spencer Rattler's final year, different again. Kentucky's got an opening. Mississippi State has an opening. You know, he wants to go play. He wants to step right in and play. And I don't blame him. Who's to say he wouldn't? Yeah, I, 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 I... I, think I mean, I got to tell you, even the K, and I'm not the biggest KJ Jefferson guy in the world, um, and I don't know where you guys stand on this, so maybe I'm in the minority. But the Lenora Sellers hype might be very justified, but when it comes down to a proven commodity or a redshirt freshman in the SEC, 
I'll take the proven commodity. Now, obviously, Vandergriff's not a proven commodity, but I'm, I'm mixing storylines here. But um, <laughs> it, 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 you know how I do. It's, oh, it's, shoot. I got all I got all these thoughts I've been circling up and I haven't been on since Thursday. I, I just I just think that you take the the proven commodity versus the guy that's you know got all the ability but he's he hadn't played he hadn't well, played any meaningful snaps. Yeah, and and there's another side. There's you got the backside of this conversation that's not being had too because I, I raised my hand for this last week when the KJ Jefferson stuff came up and of course you know Brad Crawford just spoke on that. That's very unlikely to happen now at South Carolina. But I said, you know, if you've got a guy like that, you create competition. We had John Strickland on last week. He said the same thing. Mm-hmm. This is a program specifically to the game. Cox are not the only one, but specifically to South Carolina, because that's the program that we cover here. Uh, what has killed, what has crushed them? What has crushed them? Well, injuries, injuries crush them. And then when guys leave in the portal and you don't replace those guys, that crushes you. So you got a major depth problem, right? That's what it really comes back down to. So you bring a bunch of guys in, you bring a bunch of talented guys in, and you let the you let the you let the whole thing work out. But now you get this thing called money, and South Carolina only has so much money that they're going to go out and pay for a quarterback, essentially, right? Wink, wink, as they all do. KJ Jefferson, Brock Vandergrift, those type guys. That if if there is a fit, it'd be shocking from a financial standpoint, like the NIL side of this thing, and those guys and what they want to do, being able to step right in and play. I understand where you're coming from. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying it is amazing how much this conversation has evolved over the last year or two when you bring all these external factors into it. Are you saying that you don't think Carolina can bid with the big boys on the quarterback market? They won't bid with the big boys with some of the big names in the quarterback market right my question would be why uh because there's only so much money to go around and they've got other needs okay yeah so that would mean they can't right i mean what you're basically saying well you know you want to rob peter to pay paul i get i I get it yeah 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 Yeah. um and and that's and i look that goes a conversation we had last week um or maybe it was two weeks ago we've probably had it multiple times I, I start hearing numbers of what some of these schools are paying, and I just don't know if Carolina is there yet. Uh, I'd like to think Carolina can compete with Kentucky financially, and yet Kentucky keeps getting pretty big names in the portal at the quarterback position every year. So yeah. why couldn't Carolina do that? hadn't worked out for them either, though. I mean, well, you know. it, it, I mean, it didn't work out in the case of last season, agreed, yeah. for whatever reason. Um, you know, the kid from NC State just regressed. I, I don't know how, but he wasn't good. But he was good at NC State a couple of years ago. That's undeniable. But he wasn't good. But there were a lot of a lot of teams that wanted him. He was great for two years at NC State. That's right. That's right. Mike, he got a little banged up, but he was still excellent before that injury too. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Now Levis was, I guess that wasn't really an NIL grab. They got him from Penn State before NIL, but then he stayed at Kentucky because he got a. I remember talking to Will Levis. He got a contract with like a, a horse farm was one of his NIL uh, deals. Obviously, not many schools can compete with that. But um, my point is, is that Kentucky is they're pouring out. They're they're writing the checks to get and keep uh, established quarterbacks because that's the only way they can win. I mean, they're not going to. 
they're really not going to get five-star quarterbacks coming to Kentucky, and very few of them come out of the state of Kentucky. So they have to be, this is going to be the formula for Stoops, no matter how long he's there, is yeah. to get quarterbacks in the portal. And I just wonder, in the case of Carolina, is that going to be part of the equation as well? And you're saying, based on the information you're getting, is that they're not going to be big bidders in that because there's other holes to fill. Yeah, exactly. And they, they, they've got the defensive line. They've got the running back position. Now they've got a major issue at wide receiver. Um, they've got, I think, six wide receivers returning, and they're all freshmen. Um, they've got – I did say defensive line, right? They're looking to add a guy or two on the offensive line. They're looking to add a tight end. And, of course, they have to add a quarter – because, look, we're, we're talking – like, we're all having the same conversation here. And we actually – you could replace South Carolina with school – B or 100%. D or, or whatever, and you're going to have the same conversation, but in a different context because you've got financial situations that are different in each school. You have position situations that are different in each school. Um, you know, what we, if you go look at the portal data over the last few years, when you have a young quarterback who is perceived to be the future of the program, it's rare that, unless you're Alabama or Georgia or something like that, but it's rare that you go sign another quarterback who's going to come right in and take that guy out of the equation. I'm not a I'm, – I'm with you. I've said this. This is no disrespect to Lenore Sellers. I think he will be the starting quarterback next year. And we didn't get to it with Brad Crawford, but, you know, Brad had a scout tell him he's the best quarterback he's scouted ever regionally in this area. That's a lot of hype to live up to. I don't want to go down that road because we hadn't seen it yet. But, but with all that said, when it comes to, like, this position behind Lenore Sellers, what do you mm-hmm. have? Well, you don't have anything. Nothing. You got a guy who's thrown six passes in Lenoris himself. Then you got a guy who's been your quarterback, and then he was a wide receiver, and then he was a quarterback, and then he was a wide receiver. Luke Doty, I don't know what they're mm-hmm. going to do with him. And then you got Dante Reno, an exceptional four star quarterback. He hadn't thrown a collegiate pass. Like they have to sign somebody. You know, I don't know who it's going to be. JC's throwing me a few names that they've, that they're interested in. Will it be a high end FCS guy who just wants to get to the next level? But then you've got, again, this guy who was literally going to be pray, playing his freshman year next year because he got the red shirt this season, and you've got all these other major programs where major four- and five-star quarterbacks in the portal can just step right in and play without competition. So it's it's crazy. But then, like, South Carolina, like, they need to prioritize defensive line and running back and wide receiver. Well, Arkansas might not need to prioritize that or whoever it is. So it, it really – I still can't figure it all out. I mean, I, I guess we're all getting our heads wrapped around it considering it consumes us 24 hours a day and I get a 1,000 text messages a day about it. But it's just amazing that these, like, Mike, just a couple of years ago, you got your signing class, you had a couple guys transfer, and then you had your dudes leave for the NFL, and that was your team. And now you wake up and you don't know what the hell your team's going to be from what this minute to the next. And everybody's going through it. I mean, these are some of the latest quarterback names. I'm sure you've talked about them already. But, I mean, Cam Ward of Washington State. I realize not a lot of people watched Washington State, but Cam Ward's a player. Okay. Player. Uh, Dude. Will Howard of Kansas State. Player. Riley Leonard. You know, I've given my thoughts on Riley Leonard since before the season started. He's going to be playing in the NFL. Portal. Dante Moore, UCLA. Portal. Dylan Gabriel. Portal. Um, I mean – that's strange, isn't it? And apparently he might not be following Jeff Levy to Mississippi State. You'd think that was the obvious, but I guess we're all wrong. Who knows, man? I mean, again. I mean, T.J. McCord. It's Ohio State. They lost one game. Yeah, that one 
that's the weirdest of them all. And I'm just wondering, if, is that a situation where they're like, look, kid, you can stay, but um, <clears throat> we've, we've got some other options. That's the way they used to run off kids. Like, technically, right. it wasn't legal to pull a scholarship, but you just said, yeah, you can stay, but honestly, I don't see you in, in the uh, plans for us right now. And that was a way for a kid to get the memo, okay, i got to get out of here. And, and they would do it. But I don't know if it's that or if McCord feels like – he took all the blame for Ohio State's loss to Michigan. I, I really don't know. I'm not sure what the um, – But it's weird. Like, you're you know. the starting quarterback at Ohio State. You lost one game. I mean, so let me ask you this, just to use that as an example. They beat Michigan. Is he transferring? No. I don't exactly. – I doubt it. So, so <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Get yeah. out of here. Like, I, I, I don't it, – it doesn't make any sense. He completed we... 67% of his passes, 27 touchdowns, 8 picks, 3,776 yards. Those are the numbers on McCord. That's crazy. crazy. Uh, Van Dyke of Miami was considered a potential first-round pick a couple of years ago. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, Will Rogers was going to break every SEC record known to mankind if he stays in the SEC – Looking like I mean, they're, just, they're all over the place. Looking like Washington for Will Rogers. Is that right? Yeah, okay. that is right. And that that would be boy, that'd be something up there in that system. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I don't, and I don't know how many of those three receivers are NFL bound versus staying, but they they're loaded at wideout for now. What they yeah. what they'll look like next year, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, can. the point is this: this is the new norm in college football. Like this is not an outlier. This is where it used to be uh, the only time a quarterback transferred is if he was frustrated with playing time. And then he just said, ah, I'm, I'm playing behind this kid, so no. Now you have established starting quarterbacks that are beloved by the coaching staff, the fans, the, the weight room guy, the nutritionist, the student body, the sororities, and he still says, see ya, I'm out. That's We've never seen this before. In college football, but that is the era of the portal. Tyler Buckner is also in the portal as well. For lacrosse, yeah. Saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, like he's going to go back play lacrosse. (laughs) (laughs) What are the NIL deals like in lacrosse? Are they comparable to football? Give you a free stick and a Chick-fil-A sandwich. (laughs) You know, there was a time where uh, that's kind of what you would sign for to go play minor league baseball. The, The old... Mike, as you well know, the old line was a bus ticket and a Hardee's meal, and I'm there. That's uh, right. It's certainly changed. Welcome to the Sally League. Is this the real Kelsey Corals? Is he really back? Is this is it? We got to confirm whether this is actually Kelsey Corals or a Kelsey Corals wannabe. Kelsey, send in a DNA test, please, and we'll send it over to the lab. We'll have the results <laughs> uh, by the end of the week. Last for your social, we'll uh, confirm with the school. Because if that's the real Kelsey Corals, we don't need see. We don't need I to go. To the it was like, I, I have reason yeah. to believe it is. It, we what don't need to mean? go to the portal for a defensive lineman at South Carolina. No, right. I know yeah. he still has it in him. I mean, I knew this show was blowing up. I, I yeah. knew this show, but but now, I mean, you've got ballers just chiming in on chat row. That is the magic of ITG. That's uh, we have a bouncer in there at least. Anybody that acts a fool, Kelsey Corals will put you in a headlock, and you will never be seen. Oh yeah, again. Um, all right, uh, let's step aside for a quick timeout. Mike, when we come back, I want to turn the page to the college football playoff. I, I'm interested to get your thoughts on that. I, 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 Full disclosure, I was shopping with my children on Sunday, so I, I did not get much of a chance to listen to you. And How Sh- dare Sh- you? Hubert. 
Um, but um, well, Santa Santa was in town, so we had to you know we had to oh, get out that way. I see. You don't don't get to see him often, but um, want to get to that and want to get to the Heisman with you as well. Um, anxious to see if you would be willing to reveal who you chose as the Heisman Trophy winner this year or not. You don't have to. Um, but uh, so a lot to get to there. We'll continue to monitor the portal and then basketball. South Carolina and Clemson play tomorrow night. They are top thirty, both of them, in the net rankings. This is an enormous December. I cannot remember the last time Carolina had a game like this in December on the road. Q one road chance, an actual chance to win the game, all that type of stuff. So really looking forward to that, um, and looking forward to the next hour and thirty four minutes with you. So nobody go anywhere. Over thirty five thousand of you watched this show yesterday, guys. Are you serious? Thank you. Oh, my goodness gracious. Thank you for being here. We cannot thank you. The little engine that could, and then all of a sudden, it just overtook the landscape of South Carolina sports talk. Over 35,000. Amazing. I'm not surprised, honestly. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I think I I know what good sounds like. This is is pretty good. Just saying. You guys. We are are pretty proud of that, no doubt. Quick timeout. We'll be right back. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. 
If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to EliteRoofingGA.com. Schedule a no-hassle, free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Welcome you back. It is the Power Hour of Inside the Gamecocks on a Tuesday. Jamie Bradford, the Mad Dog, Phil Molinax, and uh, Mike Morgan with you here. I guess JC is uh, off for the rest of the day. And we'll be, uh, well, he takes Wednesdays off. So we'll see him on Thursday. It's probably the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Potentially. He may got sucked in. (laughs) <laughs> a, a, la- a last second fantasy football loss it, it the psychological damage that can cause uh, that's that's a, like a 36 hour recovery it's like just having too much bourbon on a saturday night and sunday is just a it's a blur so he'll be back i'm sure by thursday it is the power hour and you know one of the uh, faces uh that you associate the power hour power hour with and that's of course brian spencer palmetto medicare palmetto-medicare.com still got a few days left to cash in on the uh enrollment period but it's never a bad time to give Brian Spencer a call at 803-960-9484 to save money on you or a loved one's uh, Medicare package, which, of course, gets tweaked and altered every year. Uh, another face you're going to soon see, and boy, this is going to be like the before and the after. Uh, you're going to see Brian Spencer, and then you're going to see an Outback Bowl MVP's face next to Brian Spencer for the Power Hour, and that's Ryan Brewer. Uh, and Ryan Brewer, who has uh, since a great career on the gridiron, he has had his own company, Ryan Brewer Fence. And I, uh, I'm not only speaking on behalf of Ryan Brewer Fence, I'm also a client. In fact, I still go back the old uh, Columbia House, and there it is, the beautiful work that uh, his group did years ago when I was living uh, near Irmo. Uh, they offer a variety of services ranging from fences and railings to columns, their craftsmanship, experience, and service, second to none. Uh, that's what you want. Experience, quality, efficiency. That's the other thing about efficiency. They take the, the time to do the job right the first time, but they always hit their date. And if you've ever had anything done to your home, you know how rare that can be. That's not an issue with Ryan Brewer Fence. So uh, definitely really excited about the uh, partnership with them. Ryan is a great dude. I've known him for many years. Uh, you can check out the web- website, ryanbrewer.net, and uh, we look forward to having Ryan Brewer as a partner here on the ITG, ITG, ITG I can talk today, 
it's too much talking apparently itg show for a long time to come yeah but brewer was the second and now he's the fourth best athlete in his family liz was a better athlete than he was and both of his daughters are better athletes than he was and he'll tell you that he'll tell you that yeah. but it's true you know i was first off i was in tampa uh doing the pregame postgame show live at in that stadium when they played Ohio State and no one if you were to do like a betting pool on who was going to be the MVP on the Outback Bowl you would have had long odds on Ryan Brewer he he didn't get the kind of touches that you need to be the MVP of a game like that and then all of a sudden you know Derek Watson was always a little bit uh, let's just say mercur- mercurial um he was a, a very talented back but also Sometimes you didn't know what you were going to get out of out of Derek, um, so it was the Brewers' show, and I mean he owned Tampa. Gamecock fans owned Tampa. Ryan Brewer owned Tampa. It was freezing the night before a New Year's Eve. I remember being out in Tampa. You know, I was young. I was doing doing things that young people do on a on a night out before a bowl game, and uh, it was so bitter cold. But then it was a sunny day, and Brewer just lit it up. And if there's ever proof that Ryan, like a, a guy that can make his stake in a big game, you get to live that for a lifetime, it's Ryan Brewer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an Ohio guy, no ties to the state, has stayed in South Carolina, runs a successful business in South Carolina, and is still an icon for many in South Carolina. It's a, it's a great story overall because I remember the recruiting process when Lou got there. Obviously, Watson was the gem and then, oh, by the way, Pinnock came in, and Ryan Brewer came in. And I'm like, who's this Mr. Ohio guy? And what does he really? Is he fast enough to play in the SEC? Yeah, he was quick enough to to run the ball, catch the ball, and everything else. And he was he was perfect for Coach Holtz at that point in time. And returned uh, kicks too. It all worked out. There's no doubt. He um, he is a legend, and he's great. He's just a great person. Just saw him a couple weeks ago over at uh, at at the uh, Wentz Condo, and. Uh, None better than the Brewer family. So happy to have them as partners of our programming as well. And um, those in the fence world, there you go. RyanBrewerFence.net. RyanBrewer.net. RyanBrewer.net. The uh, the phone number up uh, that you folks can see uh, next time out and call them up and harass them. Yeah. Tell them you heard about it here. Uh, Speaking of harassment, the College Football Playoff Committee has received plenty of that. Okay, Mike, what's the difference in the four best teams and the four most, most deserving teams, or is there a difference? Uh, there, there's definitely a difference. You know, the – where do I start? Okay, I know. the language. <laughs> I mean, there's like – there's seven different yeah. angles I could come at you with on this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start from the biggest point and then move outward. The language on how to select these teams is not the best resume. It's not the undefeated teams from the Power Five and only the undefeated teams from the Power Five. Um, The language, it's like you were talking Heisman Trophy before the break. There's a lot of different things that people like to think the Heisman is. But basically what it comes down to is who do you think is the best college football player in college football for that given year? The language for the playoff is who are the best four teams in college football moving forward. The moment you lost Jordan Travis, you were no longer in the top four. And we have two games of sample size to prove it. I watched Florida State. 
trail a terrible Florida defense that couldn't stop anybody all year, trail them 12 nothing and wind up winning 15-12. to You scored 15 on a, on a wretched defense because you didn't have Jordan Travis. I watched that ACC championship game. It's three and a half hours of my life. I hope to get back. And I watched them struggle to score 16 points against a Louisville defense. That was not really the strength uh, of that team. Uh, it was ugly, 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 ugly football. Um, and even with a really good running back in Benson and two exceptional wide receivers that are going to be in the NFL and a more than capable offensive line, it's just not the same team. I, I hate it for Florida State. It's not fair. I get it. But based on the criterion, I had no problem with it. I have heard everything. Good Lord, you should have heard some of the nonsense around here on some radio shows. Oh, it's a, they're, they're SEC bias and... Uh, they, they clearly knew people on the committee, and the committee was pressured by the SC. Look at the 13 names on the committee. There's one guy with any ties to the SEC. It's the AD for Kentucky. The other 12 people probably have never been to Starkville. They couldn't p- pick pinpoint Knoxville on a map. So these are not SEC guys looking out for their own. That being said, here's when I knew game, set, match. On game day, when Greg Sankey showed up and said what he said, one of these is not like the other, the, the famous Sesame Street line, that's when I knew, okay, th- that is going to be heard by the committee. They don't owe Greg Sankey anything, but they sure as hell are going to listen to him because he's clearly the smartest guy in the sport, and he's clearly the most influential. And if we had a commissioner vote today, it would be Greg Sankey. It wouldn't be the ACC commissioner. It wouldn't be the Big Ten commissioner. It wouldn't be the Big 12 commissioner. It'd be Greg Sankey by a landslide. In other words, he is the modern-day E.F. Hutton. When he talks, people listen. And what he said made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense. You can't just judge Georgia-Alabama the same way you judge the ACC title game and FSU-Louisville. If you watch those games, then you know. You don't need to be like a Ph.D. in college football to watch those two games and realize there's something different, to watch those four teams and realize there's something different, and certainly to know that Florida State is something very different without Jordan Travis, who would have been a Heisman Trophy candidate. So I anticipated this was probably going to be it. As I said on the show, if it wasn't, I wasn't going to raise Kane. I wasn't going to go, oh, my God, I can't believe it. How do you know? I would have been fine with it, but I understood why they went the direction they did. And it's not some ulterior motive like, good Lord, just stop with the Oliver Stone conspiracy theories. You didn't need that much justification to realize that Florida State is not a top-four team without their most important player by far in Jordan Travis. And I'll add one other element in closing. We do this all the time in college basketball with a committee. This is now a committee in college football. In college basketball, for example, I'll throw a hypothetical out. 20 years ago, when Syracuse was led by Carmelo Anthony, 99% of the people on the planet couldn't name another person on that team. Carmelo Anthony was by far and away the star of the show. He was the leading scorer. He was the leading everything. If Carmelo Anthony went down before Selection Sunday, Syracuse would have lost. Their, their seating would have dipped precipitously. That happens in college basketball every year. A key player goes down late. They get dinged on the seating, or they don't make it at all. It's exactly what happened here. It's exactly what happened here. So uh, I get it. It sucks if you're Florida State. You feel like you got jobbed. You feel like uh, it shouldn't have happened this way. Jordan Travis deserved a better fate. That part I agree with you. Jordan Travis did deserve better. 
That kid has worked his ass off. He's a good kid. He's a great player. He deserves to be in the playoff. But he's not there. And sometimes life ain't fair. Wrong place, wrong time. Florida State, they'll be back. Mike Norvell's a great coach. For those of you that want a Dion, you want to make that trade now? Um, it, it is what it is. I thought the committee got it right. So if Jordan Travis were healthy, the and SEC Florida State's would have been, been of shut it. out of the playoff. Okay. I, I am convinced of that. Even with all the politicking and everything else, I don't think the committee would have had the stones to take a, a fully stocked Florida State team that would have looked much better in a win against Florida, that would have wiped the floor with Louisville in that ACC championship game. Mm-hmm. They would have been in the, the field of four, I would almost guarantee it. But, but he's not. Yeah, I yes or I don't. Yeah, it had to be yesterday. I, I it felt like for the first time the committee, in my mind, did what was right, not what was wrong, by putting teams in just because they have a zero a goose egg in the loss column or something like that. Like, well, this team deserves to be in. We've we've seen that before. I felt like the committee put the best four teams in the playoff. I even personally felt Mike if Alabama didn't get in. Georgia, Georgia should be in. Not Georgia Florida would State. beat Georgia would beat that Florida State team without Jordan. Well, they're fourteen point favorites right now over yeah. Florida State. I mean, I'm not so sure what makes a better case for that. The only thing I think the committee kind of screwed up was they should have moved Florida State to six and the dogs to five. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is I think they threw them a bone. I mean, you know, five or six, it doesn't really matter. You know, they just give them the five. But you know, yeah. But I mean, crosses the message. If we're we're being honest with ourselves, I mean, does anybody out there think Florida State is better than Georgia? I mean, really? I I don't (laughs) think so. And and look, this this was going to be an unprecedented year, no matter what. I I started off the pod on uh, Sunday this way. Here's what has never happened, and some of this was going to happen. Number one, the 10th year of the playoff, we've never had an SEC champion out of the playoff. Okay, so that was a possibility. Or we've never left an undefeated Power 5 team out of the playoff. Obviously, that was not only a possibility, that was a reality. Or we dropped the number one team outside of the top four, which is what they did to Georgia with a three-point loss to Alabama. If I'm a Georgia fan, I got every right to be pissed or select a team that was ranked outside the top six, which is right. clearly what they did with Alabama. So this was going to be an, a, a, a truly unique year, no matter what the committee decided. Uh, and what's unfortunate to me. And again, I wouldn't have lost any sleep over it. People understand I have a longstanding tie with the sec uh, contrary to what people might believe, the SEC doesn't pay me. I get paid by ESPN. I just happen to do a lot of SEC games. Uh, but the SEC, like, you know, my check doesn't come from Birmingham. It has a mouse on it. Um, the, the, the notion that, like, okay, now, everybody knows you're an ACC guy, so you have to take the, the – the, the, just I want you to be as outraged as you are that you can possibly be that Florida State didn't make it in. How about this? <laughs> no, I need you to be angrier. You want me to cry? Yes, cry. A little tears. Be angry. Call it. Call it outrageous. And the the biggest travesty you've ever. Okay, okay, I can do that. That that's just like the the whole notion that we've got to do all that. Come on, like. And I'm hearing it. These aren't even seminal fans. These are people that could care less about Florida State. But they're playing. They're playing TV. They're playing talk radio. And like, I got to take a side, and I've got to be 
It's got to be the most impassioned, over-the-top side that there is. I know the I know this game. I know it works. Okay, I, I I know how this business works. I know what these people are thinking when they say some of the things they say and how they say them. It's it's not a mystery to me. I've been doing this for a while at some pretty yep. high levels, so I my BS detector is pretty damn good. So a lot of what you saw yesterday is theater. A lot of what you saw is not people that even know what the hell they're talking about or followed college football all year long, but they felt as if they had to serve up a hot take, and they did it in as dramatic a fashion as they could on national TV and radio yesterday. And some of it probably spilled over today. I didn't watch any of it, and I think thankfully uh, didn't miss it. But that's, that's what was going on for the better part of 24, 36 hours. Uh, if you're a Florida State fan, I get it. You're disappointed. You'll be all right. Um, if you're the rest of the talking heads that felt like you had to just give the most faux outrage imaginable over this, come on. Be honest with yourself. The alliance was a thing a couple of years ago, <laughs> Mike. It looks like that didn't help the ACC at all, did it? And that was another Sankey slam dunk. When Greg Sankey says, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, we wanted this 12-team playoff this year. Yeah, Your little bowl alliance, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, how's that working out, by the way? Where, where's the Pac-12 commissioner? Yeah. Right. Gone. Where's the Big Ten I'm commissioner? The floor. <laughs> Gone. Yeah. You, you decided to align with those folks and make some kind of power play. I don't know what you accomplished by that. Uh, we would have had a 12-team playoff this year. Greg Sankey was in on that this year. This would have all been a moot point, but certain people from other conferences, like Kevin Warren, he had to be the one that had the schedule out before anybody else did. Look at me. The other conference commissioners would think we're all going to do it at the same time. I'm going to do it ahead of time. Look at me. I'm going to say no games because of COVID. Oh, no, wait a minute. Now I'm being told I, that's not a smart move. I'm going to do a 180. We are going to have a season. We're going to play six, seven games and make a mockery of the whole thing. Throughout the whole thing, it was like you watched a lot of people in power just make complete fools of themselves, and you watch Greg Sankey emerge as the guy on how to handle these big decisions, and that includes the playoff, which, again, if it was if he just unilaterally could, this would have been solved this year. We would have had a 12-team playoff, and Florida State would have been in. No, no But the, the alliance... And I can't I'll, I'll forever chuckle when I hear that because uh, it lasted all of, uh, what, nine months? I don't know what it was. The, the Alliance decided, no, 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 no. Screw, we're going we're gonna to really stick it to the SEC. No 12-team playoff. And to which that was the analogy I made, if you remember, on this show and others. Okay, what did you accomplish by doing that? Greg Sankey's the guy in five-car draw that is showing four aces. And before the fifth card ever drops – Whatever you do, he's already going to have the best hand. So you want to go ahead and be stubborn and stay with four another year? Fine. Best hand, SEC. You want to go to 12? Fine. Best hand, SEC. Because either way, the SEC is going to have the most teams in the event. No matter how you try to tweak it, the SEC is going to be dominant. And if we had 12 this year, it would have been, what, five SEC teams? It would have, it would have been four, and that was the point I was going to make. Ole Miss and Ole Missouri, four. The yeah. Next year will be five. The right, yeah, well, correct, because Oklahoma would have been there at 12. But the Alliance itself would have had six, like this year, before all this movement that's coming next year, 
the quote alliance, Pac-12, right. Big Ten, the ACC would have had half the field. So by forming the alliance that fell apart and none of them trusted each other anyways, they all lied to each other in the whole nine yards. Right, and now right. the commissioners are gone and the ACC's out. I can trust but you. By by forming this quote unquote alliance, this this big, I, I remember my old partner. He was all for it. Of course, he's a Big Ten guy. I was laughing. I was like, "You you, you really drank that Kool Aid? That is the biggest crock of crap." Do you know how much money y'all have just cost yourselves? Does anybody realize how much money they just? And now the Pac-12 is the best the Pac-12 has ever been, ever in my opinion. And they, Mike, they with the restructuring of television deals and all nine yards, you know this better than all of us here because it's the industry you're in. Six teams would have been in a 12-team playoff this year. I, God knows how much money that would have been going to all those leagues, and they screwed it up two years ago. That's right. Yeah, I mean, look, so, between getting Larry blame, Scott, so. Kwiatkoff, Kevin Warren, I mean, uh, and I, somebody else said to me, uh, well, Jim Phillips should have done a better job politicking. First of all, you're not going to out, you're not going to, you're not going to outdo Greg Sankey on that. Greg is just very measured, has all his facts. Uh, he, he, he's playing chess when you're playing checkers. He, he already, if, if you have a counter, he has, he's got a counter to your counter. Nothing Jim Phillips was going to say or do, this is where I'm defending Jim Phillips now, nothing he was going to say or do was going to trump the, the scenario that Greg Sankey already laid out, which was this is just different than the others. The, do not compare this setup to what you have in the other leagues. And that might sound arrogant, and it might sound um, self-serving. It might be all those things, but it's also one th- other thing. It's true. Right. It's true. I, I Look, it, it is what it is. So you can be <laughs> mad at it, but the, the solution is not to get mad at it. The solution would have been to have a 12-team playoff this year. The other solution is get better. Please. I think most people would love to see these other leagues get better. I, I hope we never have to watch an Iowa in a championship game. My God, was that brutal. You can't score a point. Offense is pathetic. Your punter punted for over 4,000 yards. I'm not making that up. That's not hyperbole. He punted. I looked it up. Over 4,000 yards. That's a great year for a quarterback. It shouldn't be a great year for a punter. That's 40 football fields. Yes. Oh That's a long uh, So... So be better as, and I get it, we're going to get rid of division, so that shouldn't never happen again. But the point is, like, people say it's a down year in the SEC. Okay, it's it's down relative to what it usually is. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. Uh, and please, I don't want to hear, well, Wake Forest beat Vanderbilt, so that's what um, the fact of the matter well, is. But, but it might not end up being a down year in the SEC, Mike, because, I mean, like, I get what you're saying. I always judge it based on the middle class. But yeah. I mean, but I mean, okay. Well, uh, Alabama could win the national championship. Georgia could win the Orange Bowl. Missouri could win the uh, was that the Sugar Bowl? Well, I mean, yeah. Look, yeah. Alabama and Georgia, but, and this is not the only year you could say this. What other? The closest thing would be the Big Ten and Michigan, Ohio State. And I'm sorry, Ohio State apparently is not ready for the big time and, and doesn't tend to show up much anymore against Michigan. Uh, they had a win against Notre Dame, but we know it's not that good. But the Big Ten is so top-heavy. This is why I say, like, even if you grant that dispute, the SEC is down. It's down. It's down. Give me three, four, five, six in the SEC. Stack it up to three, four, five, six in the Big Ten. And what do you have? Stack it up in the ACC. I mean, you're you're pulling teams out of a hat like 
Duke at that point without Riley Leonard? Are you, I mean, Miami, who can't be consistently good at anything these days? Yeah. I, so, look, at that, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not carrying water for anybody. I'm just telling you like it is. There'll, there'll be a year where the SEC truly is down. And there'll be another conference that, for that given year, truly is better. But it ain't in 2023. Well said. 12.53 here on uh, Inside the Gamecocks. The show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. This holiday season, you can find them on the Chief Sports app if you would like to go in there and see Michelle and the Wilkins family for something for you and uh, for your family. We've got uh, Heisman stuff coming up in just a little bit. Phil, we'll slide to an early break here in just a second. Uh, We'll get into the Heisman. We'll get into hoops as well uh, with the Gamecocks set to play uh, tomorrow night. Mike, do you wait until after the Heisman trophy uh, ceremony to reveal whom you selected? Yeah, technically I can't announce it, but I will. I'll I'll lean into it this way. Um, After what I saw on Saturday – and Phil kind of hit on it um, when I watched Oregon and Bo Nix. When I saw that, and I, I mean, I watched every conference championship game, either live or on DVR. It was enough for me to be convinced that the guy I already had number one is now even more number one. And I honestly, I don't think it's going to be that close. I I, I could be wrong, but I don't think it's going to be that close. Well, gonna... I don't think it should be either. I mean. It depends. I mean, you know, because you can vote. Right. <laughs> you, you, you dropped out there, Phil, but you vote for one, two, and three. Well, no, you can you can vote prior to the conference championships. You correct? can, right. and some you people can. do. And, I, I mean, you ought to have your vote pulled if you do that. Yeah. That's beyond lazy. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look, we don't get paid to vote for it. But still, I take it. I take some responsibility. If I'm going to vote for it, I'm going to do it right bad enough a lot of people vote that don't even watch a lot of college football i did have struggles with coach of the year because i vote for that as well and i mean eli drinkwitz jed fish kalen DeBoer, willie fritz mike novell norvell uh, barry odom kirby smart a lot of good coaches that had good years on that list but I, i can't tell you who i voted for that after the break if you voted for mike norvell you might get some I guess we push back on that. One, these things are not the same, but people will lump in everything they can uh, to make the argument for Florida State. All right, we'll step aside, and we got an hour to go. Don't go anywhere. ITG will be right back. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. This holiday season, you can give a gift like never before. Hey guys, it's JB. Rescues and Resin produces custom-designed wood and resin products. From tables to wall art, coasters to cutting boards, and pretty much anything you can dream Proud Gamecocks and veteran-owned, Dustin and Tabitha are creating products that will blow your family and friends away when they take the wrapping paper off this Christmas. Check them out in the Chief Sports app now to get your custom order in before it's too late. Rescues and Resin are also proud supporters of Carolina Rise and proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Rescues and Resin at gmail.com. 
or in the Chief Sports app is where you can find them. Change your gift-giving game today by ordering a custom design through our friends Tabitha and Dustin in Rescues and Residents. company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product, and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Hey Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington at the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tail. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number, 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online, or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297 Shop Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season Major discounts on treadmills, rowers, ellipticos and more Proud partners of Carolina Rise inside the Gamecocks and the Chief Sports Network CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com 843-388-0999 Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season
All right, final hour. One o'clock here. I'm inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barn Dominium Co. And always live from the Signorama Studios. They're the preferred sign partners of the Gamecocks Power Hour. Of course, is driven by our friends that love Chevrolet. End of year deals are here. Love Chevy. Com. In the Midlands, you do not have to be in the Columbia area to want to spend less money on a vehicle. If it's your time of the year, maybe you need a tax write-off. Wink, wink. You know what I'm saying? LoveChevy.com. They can do it for you in the Columbia area. Love Mike Morgan here. Love. We love yeah, we to all love, love on this show, and we love to love, love Chevy. We love, we love, 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 love Chevy. There's no doubt about that. Um, but hey, I want to give another shout-out to Kelsey Quarles. Awesome seeing him in here. He Guy, he... <laughs> Man, you talk about a defensive line and why the Gamecocks need to get it right in the portal. Think about the guys that Kelsey Corals played with, or think about the guys that played with Kelsey Corals. You can say it whichever way you want. It doesn't matter. But Melvin Ingram, Devin Taylor, Genevion Clowney, Byron Gerardo, Travian Robertson. The list keeps growing. Byron McKnight, a lot of great players in that era. Uh, so, Kelsey, good to see you, man. Glad you're in here, and, um, and uh, hopefully we can – Get you in the program here pretty soon. Uh, the BigSpur.com is where you Gamecock fans will want to continue to pay attention to uh, for the rest of the month <laughs> for the transfer portal. Uh, not just today. Don't go to sleep because you never know when things will change. As of now, 16 members of the Gamecock football program are in there. Carolina has a fairly big weekend coming up with visits uh, and uh, so we'll continue to update that throughout the week as those things get scheduled as well. Um, but they are they are in the mix for a bunch of players. We talked about a lot of those earlier with both Hale McGranahan uh, and with uh, Brad Crawford from 24-7 Sports. And uh, as we continue to get some, some news notes and nuggets to pass along on that front, we will certainly, certainly do that. I'm going to uh, get into some basketball in just a little while as well. College basketball is heating up. Uh, Joe Lenardi now does pretty much year-round bracketology, which in my mind is kind of crazy. Uh, but it also is kind of neat when your team only gets to be in the bracketology discussion about once every 10 seasons or so. Carolina is in that discussion this year, and that's a good thing because it's creating some hype around their ball game tomorrow night on the road against now top 25 Clemson, who's got a top 20 net ranking, and the Gamecocks are in there at number 29 as well good Ken Palm numbers in the whole nine yards. So we're going to come back to that. Mike will be calling plenty of basketball over the next couple of months himself. He probably has a little bit to say about both of these teams who are having fine starts to their season. Carolina is one of four programs in college hoops whose men's and women's teams are undefeated here on December the 5th. Just four remain. Carolina is in that group. But Mike, uh, sticking on the topic of college football, we will. Saturday's a great day for the sport. Because you get the Heisman Trophy uh, winner. In, in my mind, though, what makes Saturday wonderful is you've got the the greatest game in college football being played. You've got Army and Navy coming up on CBS. Sad to see the SEC on CBS wrapping up for the final time this past Saturday. Although I thought that um, that Gary and Brad and, and that entire crew did an excellent job in doing so. Um, but uh, but. This game will continue to be played on CBS. Looking forward to seeing it there. Uh, you mentioned the Coach of the Year Award will also be announced here in the next few days, and you're willing to tell us who you yep. – Yeah. I don't, I don't think I can get in trouble for that one. Okay. <laughs> they don't seem to be as uh, – 
the word I'm looking for. Probably one that'll get me in trouble. Uh, I, I voted for Kalen DeBoer. I voted for Kalen Why? DeBoer. There, there's a ton of, and I and I went one through three. Fish was in my top three as well of Arizona. Uh, to me, very often Coach of the Year awards are somewhat of a two things: either an overachieving team, or if you take the body of work as a whole, taking over a mess. Look at what. DeBoer inherited in Seattle. Again, they almost had like a Willie Taggart situation following up uh, like, like Mike Norvell did in Tallahassee. He had to clean up the mess, had to rebuild from the ground up, change the culture, remind everybody that this is a really good program. That's what Norvell did. Easier said than done. Same thing with if you look at what Washington was before uh, DeBoer took over. Uh, and then when they when they beat Oregon a second time, that was it for me. That was that was the push it over the top for me. Again, I wouldn't argue with a half a dozen names on that list. There's some really good coaches that did a really good job this year, but for me, it was DeBoer. What did you have like a close second? I mean, was there a fish? Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. So where did where does a guy like Mike Norvell come in on that list? Um, well, because I feel like he's done a nice job rebuilding. That he's program. done a terrific job. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I had him third. Um, nor the the only thing about Norvell is that like again when when they are healthy when they have their starting quarterback they're immensely talented they had two things that really took them over the top that happened in the offseason number one fresh off their bowl win the cheese it bowl I still have my commemorative final cheese it bowl box here in the man cave um nice. Jared verse out of nowhere says I'm coming back I'm going to be a first-round pick, but I think I'll go and I'd be like if Jadavion Clowney, and I'm not saying he's Clowney, but he's a dominating rush end that would have made a lot of money right then and there if he came back for uh, if he left and didn't come back. So that happens, and then they go into the portal and they land Keon Coleman from Michigan State, and that made both sides of the football really, really good, really, really good. Um, so my point is, is that it's hard for me to say like they overcame adversity and they overachieved when I thought Florida state was going to be good all year long. Um, I picked them to win the ACC. I thought they would be a a playoff contender. Um, so, I mean, Norvell deserve Norvell is like bigger picture again, what he took over, uh, and what he's done. And with all the whispers too, let's be honest. There's a number of people that were pulling against Mike Norvell purely because they wanted Dion to get the job. That's they true. wanted him to get fired. If you if you look at a good portion of Dion's fan base, they they don't these are people that parachuted in that don't normally love college football. They're not Colorado fans. They're just Dion fans. And they think he's a bigger he represents something bigger. Uh, in, in college football, and that's where terms like revolutionary coach started coming out back in September. Remember that? Mm-hmm. As laughable as it sounds now, coming off a of four and eight with players leaving all over the place, with your demoting your coordinator in the middle of the season who just got a head coaching job at San Diego State. Um, back then, it was he's revolutionizing the sport, and so when you when you look at all that, and you and you say, my God, they wanted this guy out. I'm not even just talking Florida State fans. Again, I'm talking a lot of people just like, get, get him out of there so we can get Dion the job. 
he had he had to handle that with class, which he did, uh, and knowing that that was a thing, which it was, and all of a sudden they're thirteen and zero, and he's got Florida State back. I you know you said something. I remember all that chatter. We never really got into it around here. This is more of a Gamecock program, but I, I I always wondered when I would hear that. In what way? In what was way? He, what? In what way was Prime? Revolutionizing the sport of college. Oh, he was. It, he wasn't. That's. I mean, th- but that's what I know that they but want. Like, th- those that would say that, like this, this, you know, these these quick hot takes. Let me use a big word to draw attention. Nobody ever pressed him on it. They well, wanted how? you to believe there, there's a there's a, a a big portion. I won't say big. It's really a niche. But there's a niche out there that wants you to believe coaching experience isn't really that important. Paying your dues really isn't that important. If you played the game at a high level, you can just walk right in there and be a head coach and do great things. Oh. And and a lot of people wanted that to be the case. So people like Mike Norvell, who worked his ass off, grad assistant here, position coach there, head coach of Memphis here. No, 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 no. Just take the guy that with a 10-year NFL career who woke up one morning and said, I want to be a head coach. <laughs> do you want to be? An, no, 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 I want to be a head coach. And that's that's what happened. That's that's revolutionizing. That's revolutionizing. And he's got rappers on the sideline. And as I've said before, I I love me some rap music. I don't need rappers on the sideline <laughs> to like to make it think that the program is really headed in the right direction. Because T Pain is at the forty five. Well, you know, but at least or it the, gives or them the rock, or the rock to, you know, shill their partners and products at halftime, though, Mike. I mean, come on. Well, yeah, when you're starting you quarterback, a- when you're starting quarterback who's the coach's son is selling merch at the half before you blow a 29-point lead to Stanford. Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's revolutionizing revolution. in one yeah, way. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, but don't get it twisted. You can't come here just for that NIL dollar. I, you can't. You know, I, can, I, can, I, can I just say <laughs> I, I, I am so happy – for Washington and Oregon, because Kalen DeBoer and Dan Lanning went to work. Hey, we have a good football team. We're going to go play football. And you had this sideshow going on, on in Colorado to open the season. You had another sideshow going on in L.A. with with Southern Cal. Who's that honeymoon's there. over. That's that, over. That. There ain't a whole lot of love it, for Lincoln Riley right now. That's all you heard about out there. I mean, you would – oh, by the way, Washington's pretty good. Oh, are they? Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, Bo Nix, yeah, they're pretty good too. Oh, what what else is going on in the Pac-12? Well, Utah's pretty good, but, man, I'll tell you what, man, you, you got to watch this Colorado. This is – these guys are going to end up winning nine game, ten games. Hell, they're going to be – Dion said after the first game his son should win the Heisman Trophy, and then you go to L.A. and, and – and and they're never going to lose again because they're going to score sixty points and they got a Heisman winner and they got all this thing, and and the rest of the Pac twelve just put their heads down and went to work. And neither one of those programs made the Pac twelve the best it's ever been in my eyes. It was excellent everybody point. else that did. Yeah, that. I, I didn't think of it in those terms, but that's an excellent point. You're right because, I mean, honestly, the national media desperately wanted two things out of the Pac. One was the Dion phenomenon. And look, I get it. I I wanted Dion to, to to get a coaching job at the Power Five. I, I think it's an, an, an entertaining. Now, I never said it was going to be great. I never said that this was going to be a success story. But I'll be entertained by it, absolutely. But I'm not going to sit here and talk silly talk. Well, he's revolutionizing the sport. No, he's not revolutionizing anything. 
Um, but they wanted Colorado to be a thing, not just for like three, four weeks, but for four months, and it wasn't. And they want Southern Cal so bad. You have to understand, in, in, in the world of TV, just having the SEC dominate is not a good thing. Like when people say that ESPN just wants the SEC to just run roughshod everything, no, they don't. Ohio State, Michigan got 19 million viewers. That was higher, a higher rating than any SEC game all year. And what they want is the left side of the country, i.e. out west, to really be engaged in college football. We all, everybody, everybody in TV wants that from a broadcast ratings and revenue standpoint. That is a good, good thing. And Southern Cal is not paying up their end of the bargain. They haven't since Reggie Bush got paid and their head coach went back to the NFL. And every, I mean, they have been a non-factor. It's hard to believe this. They've been a non-factor for 15 years. Southern Cal, all the advantages of, of that they own, all the advantages of it, and they haven't been able to cash in. And Lincoln Riley was given everything you could possibly give a head coach to take a job. And what are the and you gave him a, a Heisman Trophy quarterback to work with. You still don't play a lick of defense. You still don't win a, a, a number of meaningful games. So that went. And to your point, Washington and Oregon. We're just grinding, baby. We're just chop, chop, one step after another. We're just we're just going at it, and those were the, clearly the top two teams in the league. Well, and in addition to that, you mentioned Jed Fish, and 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 I mean, look, I understand totally your vote for Kalen DeBoer. I think he's deserving of the vote. I'm not saying he's not, but I I I'm not going to try to sit here and turn inside the Gamecocks into a you know pap. Pac-12 program. For the <laughs> I don't want to do that. But, but Fire I do Bradford. Want, but, but we are all fans of the sport of college football, I would imagine, right? I'm not so sure that the large majority of college football fans in America, and I mean like the very large majority, understand how difficult it is to win nine games at Arizona. Uh, like, totally agree. Oh, my gosh. When totally they, agree. We, and, and, here's, and here's the other thing about that. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to talk over you, but here's no. You're good. You're good. They're they're nine and three. They only lost two games in the league. First of all, their first loss was on the road in Starkville, Mississippi, against the Bulldogs of the mighty SEC. I might add, but those other two losses, one was only by a touchdown against Washington. The other, if they had to play Southern Cal again today, they're going to beat them. Somehow they lost that game by two. After that, Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA, Utah, all of them top 25 teams, they all go down. You know, they beat Colorado. I mean, it was – they had a ton of really close games this year. But, like, very, matter of fact, I can make the case, even though the record's better, that the worst loss on their of their three is against Southern Cal. I give them more credit for losing to Mississippi State than I would against getting beat by the Agreed. Trojans. Yeah. No, uh, you know, he's standing out uh, uh, again. He won't win it, but he could win it. In terms, it would be justifiable if he did win it. Um, and you look at his. Have you seen his background? Like it's pretty fascinating. It's real. It's his first head coaching position, but yeah. he's been and he played for Spurrier. He yeah he he got a job working for Spurrier. I, I, I don't know if he wrote him a letter. Like I, I read the whole story a while back. He's uh you know he's kind of a a numbers geek if you will, uh a, a really bright guy and 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 got talked his way sorry. Yeah, and, and got his way on a Spurrier staff as like a volunteer guy, and then went from that to another gig to another gig, and 
<laughs> all of a sudden you look at what he's doing at a place that really Arizona has been a moribund program that people have just written off as you can't win there. Arizona State, I've been I've been to Arizona State. I've been to Tempe and done a game like that's you should be able to win at Arizona State. Um Arizona, I don't know anything about, to be honest. Everybody remembers if you're a certain age, the Desert Swarm cover of SI back when people were actually read Sports Illustrated as opposed to the Pat Forty uh, political commentary. Um, this is back when it was a sports magazine, and they had Desert Swarm on the cover because Arizona was projected to be a national championship contender based on their defense. They had a bunch of dudes on D. That season did not turn out well, and I can't remember the last time Arizona's been relevant. <laughs> I mean, they just it's no. a tough place. Uh, it's a very tough place, and um, we'll see who wins it. Uh, I, but um, Jed Fish, if uh, if he if if he has aspirations of continuing to be a head coach, he's got the attention of a lot of folks uh, out there. And to your point, uh, coach for Spurrier uh, as like a GA or something for a couple of years mm-hmm. did not though play high school football. That's right. Meaning he didn't play college football. He was a high school tennis player. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, he's a fascinating story. That the kind of stories you used to get in Sports Illustrated. Um, he he is. I only looked at one one magazine a year. I never got to the others. Well, that the the one with the fold out in the center that doesn't count, Jamie. <laughs> I looked forward to that. that every articles. year as a kid. <laughs> I read the articles, man. What 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 are her turn-ons? What are Miss December's <laughs> turn-ons, Jamie? You tell us that after the break. I didn't realize Sports Illustrated had additional copies. I thought they only put out one a year. Yeah, was that oh, the Swiss, they would show you the you know commemorative stuff for the uh, Super Bowl winner? Those were the two things that <laughs> I did for a year. <laughs> I I canceled the swimsuit when B. Arthur was on the cover. No, I'm just kidding. She wasn't actually. Hey man, you oh, got to give give us all a break, dude. You got to sit in a studio with Kathy Ireland. That, that's enough. I don't want to hear another oh. word. From you, okay. Oh. I'm right. glad you mentioned. I, here, let's see. Does this camera work? Can, uh... Spe- speaking of Kathy, let me tell you about our newest partner, Ryan yeah. Brewer. With yeah. Ryan Brewer Pitts. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't show up. Anyway, I've got the picture here. I've got the. Fo- I was going to put that as my backdrop. Maybe I will. It's kind of a morale builder. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm sticking with Dyke House Stadium, the home of the uh, Jackrabbits of North Dakota State. Oh gosh, I don't know. You know. I know I don't make other people laugh, but I but I generally make myself laugh sometimes, and I feel like at the end of the day, that's all that's all that matters in life. If I hear one Bradford laugh per power hour, it makes me happy. It warms my heart. That's what I go for. Right. That's what I go for. Speaking of Kathy Ireland, I got to tell you what that Brian Spencer, he is one ugly son of a. You know what I'm saying? He. Uh, but thank God for him, or else we wouldn't be here. Eight zero. He wouldn't be on the front of any magazine. You're right, uh, but but uh, you still call him for your Medicare needs at eight zero three nine six zero ninety four eighty four. Yeah, but Jay Diz, you're missing the point. There was no there was no AI or one or whatever it is back in the nineties or the two the early two thousands. Just a little audio. It was an actual magazine, and you looked forward to it. Yeah, I mean, you got it, man. I'm good. I'm good with what I went through 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, SI was like it was the real deal. It was. It was was, a great magazine. Yeah. And now I don't know what I don't know what they do over there. Yeah. I don't know what they do. But I I agree with you, Jade. Is I think it's pretty sad that that's what they've done. 
All right. Um, all right. What well, 121 here on this uh, two, finally seasonal weather here in the low country. Thank the good Lord, Pete. Anybody know that movie? Thank, Thank the good, the Lord, good Pete. Lord, Pete. Thank the good Lord, Pete. I got blue nothing. chips with Nick Nolte. Did you just oh. quote blue chips? Yeah, man. Wow. Pete Bell. Is that a fiver or a dimer in your book? That's a dimer. Absolutely. I mean, you got to remember when that movie came out. I mean, I was very much wrapped up in high school and AAU basketball. Um, you know, a gym rat, and yeah. Is again? Yeah. Is it a great movie? No. Is it great acting? No. Is it over the top? No, yes, but that's a dimer. Hey, I thought Shaq was fabulous in that movie, just for what it's worth. And Penny. Penny and too. Penny. Don't forget Matt mm-hmm. Nover, the former Hoosier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had yeah, cameos from Patino, Tarkanian. Larry Bird. Larry Bird, yes. Yeah. Larry it's, Bird in French. Are you a First Baptist or Southern Baptist? <laughs> yeah. First Baptist, of course. Well, thank <laughs> the good Lord, Pete. <laughs> and don't forget the... The late, uh, what's the name of that actor? He's good in everything. He was in A Few Good Men. I own your ass! Oh, um, the, 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 the booster. Yeah, um, golly. What's his he, name? He's good in everything. He passed away about 10 years ago. But he, yeah. he, this is before NIL, but this movie was foreshadowing. This is the booster that gives a bunch of money, and they cheat their rear ends off to get players uh to to get competitive again what was his name uh somebody in chat rose got to know this i I always forget ed o'neill was in the movie mary mary mcdonald's great she was in the movie uh he plays happy is his name in in blue chips yeah i'm trying the character's name i'm trying to look it up now is it jt walsh is that who we're talking about jt walsh that's it jt walsh yeah good call Good. Very well done. That a boy, Mad Dog. All right, Mad Dog, also take us to break. Speaking of hoops, we're turning our attention to the hardwood when we get back. How about those game guys? Got a big one tomorrow night at Porta jo- Little John Coliseum in the upstate. We'll talk about it when we get back. Down here in the south, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at palmcasual.com. Gamecock owned and operated. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, 
third all-time in doubles, top ten in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned and operated. I did not see that coming from Jamie Bradford Productions. That's I like it, man. <laughs> no, it's Chief Media that does all that. I don't know. I'm sorry, Chief Media. Um, I, I, I didn't think you had that in you, man. I mean, you're coming up with Moby, and now you're, you're implementing a little hip hop into a sizzle reel. That's what we call that—a little sizzle reel. I, I love it. Well, we got we got a lot of Christmas stuff going. On. We got Christmas bumps from the heart around here. We're we're a full. This is this is like a grocery store. You can pretty much find anything you want. You know, you mentioned the, the massive uh, audience we've had this week um, in the the tens of thousands, and um, I notice a, a a bump on YouTube as well. I get it for a lot of people. You, you're comfortable in in whatever you listen to, whether it's Spotify or iTunes, Google Play. But you're really missing out if you don't catch the YouTube because and I, I, I'm saying this with all sincerity, and he did not know this was coming. Jamie does an outstanding job, and and Phil, the layout of this show, like there are a number of podcasts and shows now that have a video component, and it's just three guys sitting on a microphone, just looking like they just rolled out of bed, and and like a generic screen, and that's it. Like this is really. As someone who does a lot of TV, I can appreciate the production elements that go into this program. So, take a bow, Mr. Bradford. Uh, I certainly appreciate that. We, Indeed. Uh, yeah. It, we, and we, while we're we throwing out bouquets. Yeah. We have a hell of an insurance guy around here. We got a hell of an insurance <laughs> Nobody does an awkward segue like this cat right here. <laughs> Gary Patterson. For a wedding and take one to the eye. That's right. You better hope they got Patterson as an insurance. Yeah, when, you know, when Jamie is, when he's writing the production elements and he's sitting in his car and he gets rear-ended, the first thing he does is go to GaryPatterson.net. Uh, at least he should, damn it. GaryPatterson.net. Uh, and this mainly is for people. Uh, he'll take any of your business in South Carolina, but if you're in the Midlands uh, from Lugolf, where he's located, Columbia, uh, Lexington, Camden, Blythewood. Again, he's been my guy for over 20 years, and uh, I've tried other places. Believe me, my loyalty only goes so far. 
and I <laughs> regretted it. So I quickly went back to Gary Patterson, um, and with a State Farm agent, it's easy to make the right choice. Uh, just uh, go to the website. I know everybody can't remember phone numbers. Just go to the website, GaryPatterson.net. You can reach him there. He'll be working some uh, some bowl games, officiating some bowl games. Don't know which ones yet. Uh, yeah, he, won't, he probably won't do ACC games, right? That is a really good question. I, I've never I understood know. that. Like, yeah. why do they? Why do they? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they always have like when Carolina plays Clemson. For those that don't know, in football, the road conference always has their crew and they want to keep crews to get like I do get this part more so in football than in basketball keeping a seven eight man crew together so you have continuity is important as opposed to well we got to have three SEC four SEC guys and four ACC guys and let's just all put it together and see if we can make gumbo out of it that doesn't work well now basketball is different Uh, you'll see you know for tomorrow night's game at Little John it, it could be um Guys that you saw doing an SCC game the other night and an ACC, it, it, a lot of that's based on geography. It really is. So I, I by now I know most of just everybody that works SCC, ACC basketball, ref-wise. But it wouldn't surprise me if it's a little uh, hodgepodge. Speaking of basketball, it is World Trick Shot Day for anybody that was wondering. Gamecocks looking for a couple of shots to fall tomorrow night at Little John Coliseum. I, uh Certainly, was just joking. Have the utmost respect for uh, Little John up there, even though I sometimes call it Porta John, but that's that's a, just an, a, by mistake. I don't mean it that way. Uh, the uh, Tigers and the Gamecocks share the second best record in college basketball. They're both seven and zero entering this game, uh, and um, as Mike pointed out last week on our program, there wasn't as much hype around a Clemson. Car- there isn't or hasn't been as much hype around a Clemson Carolina basketball game since the one that took place in nineteen ninety seven when the Gamecocks entered themselves in the top 10, as a matter of mm-hmm. fact, Clemson and Rick Barnes that season uh, had uh, were also off to a good start. But they had just fallen outside of the top 25 in the polls. It was still a very highly anticipated game, and the Tigers won it, Mike, as you pointed out last week. Uh, also, though, in Joe Lenardi's way too early bracketology, although it's much better to get in December than it is in July, the Tigers, according to him, are a four-seed the Gamecocks are on the first four outline alongside Texas Tech, Ole Miss, and Iowa. It's probably been a long time since anybody has looked at Gamecock basketball in December. Not probably. I've been around it. It has been a long time. Yeah. looked at Gamecock basketball in December and said, well, I'll tell you what, keep your eyes on these boys because they could be a tournament team. But here they are, undefeated with a chance to get a top 20 Net ranking road victory tomorrow night. It would be their first quad one win of the year, Mike Morgan, and um, it would it would really put the kind of the rest of the basketball universe that covers this stuff inside and out a little bit on notice because as they have won the last two or three games, you've seen some of the national basketball writers, guys who I actually have some respect for, unlike some of the dudes left in college football. Although some of those football guys will they'll trickle over to basketball and tell everybody what they know then when you get to February, but um, a lot of these national basketball guys, uh, you, you see it, things you didn't have on your bingo card, South Carolina undefeated at 7-0, and so they're starting to get some eyeballs, we'll see what they can do with it tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I think it's two quad, two wins right now 
for Carolina. Um, and again, yeah. I, I realize all these games are really easy to just get lost in the shuffle in November, December, as your brain is transitioning from football, which we're all entrenched in right now, uh, into basketball. But I, I, I feel like I have to say this all the time. The wins and the losses count just as much in November, December as they do January, February, March. There is no like computer uh, part of the program that says, oh, well, that one was played in November, December, so therefore it only counts as a third, third as much as the game in February. And you only have so many data points to boost your overall record because what happens in the SEC is even if you're a good team, you're going to beat some guys up and they're going to beat you up. Right. And right. so it's a lot of the, a lot of the teams kind of come out in the wash and the committee struggles like, OK, let's just say in January, Carolina beats Georgia. Oh, wait a minute. I I don't know. How good is Georgia? Well, they just won at Florida State. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they also lost a game that they shouldn't have shouldn't have lost. OK, you know, Carolina, what do they do? Well, they they lost a game in December. And so. In other words, these games really help separate. If you're a true bubble team, it's the kind of game that can really put you over the hump. Now you've got two quad twos and and one quad one, and you haven't even started 18 conference games, which is going to have quad one, quad two opportunities all over the place. Uh, long way of saying it, it's, a, it's a great opportunity, and you're right. These games have not meant a ton because there, there have been two very often mediocre teams going head-to-head, and people have just kind of been like, yeah, let me know how it goes. Uh, I think that's different this time. And I can sense a, a Gamecock fan base. I was so uh, uh, pleased to see what I saw in the Notre Dame, just watching it on TV, the Notre Dame game, the crowd, the energy level, the butts in the seats. That's for a game in what, – what was the date of that? Was that late November or early December? Tuesday, uh, last Tuesday, late November. So that's a game in late November. Yeah, yeah. And a, I mean, the Gamecocks nearly packed it. I know it was technically as a sellout, but so it goes back to what I always say: Gamecock fans will absolutely get passionate about basketball if you just give them a product. You don't need more billboards. You don't need, you know, the PR company doesn't need to come out with more T-shirts for people to be excited about basketball in Columbia and South Carolina. What they need is a team that plays good, clean basketball and wins games. And this certainly appears to be that kind of team. All right. I I want to take a little bit of a dive into the SEC with you, Mike, because, and I know uh, as time goes on, we'll do our driver, uh, love Chevy drive around the SEC from a hoop standpoint, probably start Mm -hmm. that transition. As a matter of fact, on Thursday this week, um, with college football, yes. Also ahead. do a Fab Five uh, Thursday with nothing but props on Carolina Clemson basketball. It's oh, never been done. It's never we, been done. Got to do We're something do for it. Army Navy, though. Got to do something for Army Navy. Tiebreaker. Oh, okay. All right. Fair. Okay. Good. Because I'm, I, I, I uh, well, I can't tell you who I'm going to pick. Anyways, so, um, all right. Let, let's get to the let's get into the SEC because right now you've got. All right, there there are two undefeated teams in the in the league. Their names are the Ole Miss Rebels and the University of South Carolina Gamecocks. Everybody else has some losses. All losses are not created equal, as we well know. Some teams have played some pretty good basketball. Uh, Kentucky sits here at six and two. I know Wildcat fans aren't thrilled with that. 
Well, they'd be okay at seven and one with a loss to Kansas. Not so sure they're loving the seven point loss to UNC Wilmington, though, at this point. In time. I don't know where that came but, from. Uh, but that's where I'm moving with this. We've talked about the transfer portal from the football standpoint. Mike, it's been the wild, wild west and everything beyond that in hoops for a long, long time. And you don't have to bring in 20 guys. You, you bring in two or three. Sometimes you're seeing five, six, seven, eight dudes coming in from the portal. Carolina's starting five are all transfer guys. What I have noticed, this is just my personal observation, that at the end of the day probably means absolutely nothing. But what I felt like I feel like I've noticed over the last couple of years is it is taking longer for most of college basketball, even the Blue Bloods, to figure out who they are. Sometimes that means some early season losses or some shaky wins. Sometimes that means some mediocre teams just suck in November. And like you said, it really punishes them. But all of a sudden in January, February, they're a pretty good team. I, I think it's something different for every team depending on uh, the the coaching and the type of players you bring in. But um, what have you seen? You're around it literally every night. You call college basketball multiple times a week for months at, uh, on end. You know when you show up to the arena, doesn't matter if it's Bald, Bud Walton or Colonial Life Arena or wherever it is, you know if the last time you were here, there's seven or eight names on the back of the jersey of the team you're about to call that are, that's going to be different. That used to not be the case. So h- how would you interpret that and how it's maybe changed the game a little bit for the better or for the worse? I would say when I look at a roster now and I'm preparing for a game, I've never seen more forward slashes than ever because the forward slash is what precedes the previous schools that the young man has played at. So it used to be you'd have a bunch of guys that have been with the program the whole time, and then maybe like one or two transfers. And then the grad transfers became a thing, which was basically a loophole. These kids weren't transferring because – I'll tell you what, that uh, that master's in biological engineering, is uh, they just don't offer that where I'm at, so this is where I need to go. It was purely a basketball play. We all know that. So now we don't even play, you know, we don't play games anymore. We pay players, we let them go wherever the heck they want, and they just bounce around and bounce around. And so the forward slash, it's like I'll have a, a roster and I'll see three guys that is like, he was there, slash there, slash there, slash there. Like... <laughs> It's going to be a hell of a swag bag he's got back at his house because he's been to so many different spots. That's just where we are, and and I don't think that's changing. But I do think it favors a program like Carolina because, again, there's just only so many blue-chip kids that come out of the state of South Carolina. How many McDonald's All-Americans outside of the state of South Carolina ever come to Columbia? you got to go to, like, the Frank McGuire days. So the portal is the equalizer. And if you go back and you look to last year's Final Four, this would be a good thing to look up, Jamie, if you if you wanted to. And I, I thought I knew the answer, but I don't want to quote it wrong. Look at how many McDonald's All-Americans were in the Final Four last year. If it's not zero, it's really close to it. The point is, is that teams now they're older and very and very often they're older thanks in large part to the portal so even if South Carolina is not the destination the sexy destination for all the 17 year olds that continually choose the same blue bloods you can certainly do damage in the portal if you get the right guys and I think Lamont Paris has gotten the right guys see I mean these weren't necessarily the most coveted guys in the portal but they're the right guys 
to play with one another uh, in his system and and play the kind of basketball that they were very successful with. I, you know, I know he coached at, at UT Chat and had some success there, but when I think of what Lamont Paris really wants to bring, the identity he wants to bring to Columbia, it's a lot of what he had under Bo Ryan at Wisconsin, which went to back-to-back Final Fours, and I promise you they didn't have a ton of McDonald's All-Americans there either. But they passed the ball. They shot the ball. They were the most, one of the most skilled teams in America every year under Bo Ryan. And I think that's what he's trying to get in Columbia. It's, in a roundabout way, that's how Eddie Fogler won a lot of games when he was going well. Great guard play, all very skilled, played smart. Were they ever the most athletic in the SEC? Heck no. Not even close. And they're never going to be at South Carolina. But they can, but they can be the, one of the best teams at South Carolina – and the portal will be a big part of that. It's interesting when I look at this team, Mike, and, you know, from a basketball perspective and, and you know, kind of compare it to what we were working with last year, which I know is kind of a throwaway, but it, it a couple of things stand out to me is this team has and understands their individual roles to make this thing go and be you it, we really want to see this team make the tournament because it is built to make a deep dive just with the experience and the age of these guys on this team am i wrong in either of those <laughs> nothing you said is wrong i just want to i want to caution you and anybody listening uh the gauntlet still waits well okay. yeah of course of course like, yeah, yeah. like you know virginia's a nice win uh, the Roadrunners, a nice win, believe it or not. That's Bryce Drew, by the way, the coach over there who Vanderbilt yeah. fired after yep. he took him to a tournament in three years. Um, and and Clemson would be a very nice win on the road, especially. Oh, be a good but there's, win. But there's a lot of Clemsons in the SEC. Right. They're, they're just right. nice. So, so I, I, I don't want to set people up for, this team has got NCAA tournament written all over it, and then all of a sudden – with that schedule, and I haven't even looked at Carolina's conference schedule specifically, but if you start one and three in SEC play, don't don't be like, oh my god, they told me on the ITG show that this was a great team and that they were tournament bound. There are other great teams in the league. There are yeah. great programs in the SEC that have been going to the tournament almost every year. There are programs uh, that were historically bad that hired Bruce Pearl and then went to Final Four and won SEC championships like Auburn has. Or Alabama, who underachieved for years and years, and then brought in Nate Oates, who wasn't a big name hire, and the fans probably ripped him on the Alabama message boards. And they, he now has a top 25 program at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Arkansas is Arkansas, and Kentucky's Kentucky, and Rick Barnes is at Tennessee. And then Georgia, much better. Florida, better. Missouri. Missouri is good again. I don't know if they're quite as good as last year, but they're good. And Ole Miss is undefeated. I mean, they bring in Coach Beard, and from what I hear, they got a bunch of NIL money at a program that historically doesn't care about college basketball. Well, they apparently do now. Uh, Can anybody name the AD in Oxford? I didn't think so. He's a former basketball player. Um, Anyway, the point is is that when I say there's a gauntlet coming around the corner, just know it's like you're not going to go 7-1 and in SEC play, but – if you're around 500, you'll be a tournament team. So, I mean, I think that's 
You want to do as well as you can in the non-con, and this would certainly qualify as a big win. And then you're going to take some. You're going to take a few beatings in SEC play, and at, and defend your home court as best you can. And you should be right around 500 if you do those two things. And if that's the case, well, then I think I like your chances to be in the big dance. But even if it's an NIT year, I just want to say this now, December the fifth. That's still progress. That is still for Lamont Paris to take over the mess that he did and in year two make it to any postseason, that would, to me, go a long way. Some NIT, not all NIT years are built the same. If you're in the seventh year of a program and you're celebrating NIT appearances or you're bitching and moaning that you didn't get in on the NIT bubble, you're not really doing what you need to do at an SEC program. But if you're year two on an obvious rebuild and you get to an NIT, that to me is an accomplishment. To Mike's, I don't remember if it was a statement or a question, but uh, the start of the SEC season for the Gamecocks will come on January the sixth as they'll host uh, Mississippi State, who's off to a nice start at six and two, and then back to back, and then back to back road trips to Alabama and Missouri uh, before coming home. Win that first Georgia. one. Win that first one. Yeah, yeah, you might want to win that first. Two tough road games. Those are really two. Well, actually, their their first three road trips, they they will come home for Georgia, but then after that, Bud Walton. So it's uh, it's you know those are three difficult road trips in 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 the SEC, which is, uh, and and Mike, the SEC, much like football, has has filled in the middle class, and and that's where, I think. You know better than, than than I do, but just my my version of this over the last few years, ever since they made some major changes about about seven years ago, I think is when this kind of started kicking in, six or seven years ago, if I remember correctly. They started shifting uh, scheduling models and things like that, really working with the schools to try to improve the league. And then they've been able to do that. They've hired excellent coaches into this league as well. They've utilized the transfer portal. They've done all the things. And, and now you, where you used to have the upper echelon of the, of the conference, so basically Kentucky and then somebody else. And then you had, you know, a couple of really crappy teams at the bottom. And then the middle class was like, yeah, that's was, not the, case. That's the strength now. Like the middle class that's can right. beat the upper class now. That used to not that's be right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, eight teams in the tournament last year tied an SEC record. Seven the year before that. The SEC, in our lifetime in basketball, from this point forward, will probably never have fewer than six, and more often than not, we'll have at least seven, and there will be a day where this league gets nine, especially when Oklahoma and Texas jump in next year. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're up against. There is no hiding in this league anymore. You you used to be able to uh, schedule pretty light non-con, Take your beating against Kentucky and Billy's good teams at uh, Florida and, you know, get smoked by Bruce Pearl in Knoxville. But then the rest of the, 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 the games were not very difficult, and there were always some really crappy teams at the bottom, and the middle, to your point, was really soft. And so you could come out there and look at us. We, we're 11-5. and five. We're really a good team. No, you're not really a good team. You just beat up on bad teams. That's what happened to Carolina in 20. 20- 15 16 yeah i know 20 like they had a great record and they, they remember i i, I didn't get jobbed they didn't no, get I, if we're being honest i know no, no that's, that's not what i'm saying that's i know what it's not saying. what you're saying yeah. but that was yeah. said by a number of people 
and it's a you know it's a popular thing to say like we got screwed and i can go on a, a south carolina radio station and and everybody's going to thank me for it and i'll win some favor with the coaching staff by saying it. the truth of the matter is that team did not get screwed if you look at the analytics and you look at some of the disappointing losses they didn't get screwed well the, they, the, they screwed the themselves Horn- by by losing to georgia two of the last three games of the bingo of the year. bingo yeah. bingo yeah. Uh, the, the, out of it. Yeah, yeah, the 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 Darren Horn team that you know claimed co SEC East champs. Well, the other team in the East was Tennessee, and you lost by double digits twice to that team. So clearly, that t- that again, I was the announcer on that team. A lot of great wins, but that team fell short and then got blown out in the first round of Steph Curry and Davidson in the NIT. Uh, the the committee that has nothing against Carolina basketball, Carolina. Hasn't gotten to the tournament, not because of controversial decisions. They haven't got to the tournament because they haven't earned it. They need to be better. If we're being honest, this is the, this is the no feelings, keep it real show, but without being shock jock meathead guy, uh, th- th- let me just be honest. The, 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 this program has not been jobbed by the tournament. It hasn't lost games because there aren't enough billboards around. Uh, the, the, the AD supports it more than well. I can promise you Ray Tanner actually knows basketball extremely well and wants to be a winner in it. Um, the only, the only factors causing this team to not be in the tournament more is that they haven't been good enough. And that's why it's Lamont Paris's job to not go another 10 years with making just one NCAA tournament. You just can't do that in power five. You can't. No, no. And you can get a big leg up on that, uh, that that opportunity this weekend by or ten or tomorrow, gold jacket green yeah tomorrow night at eight o'clock on the ACC network at twenty four three. By the way, actually Carolina's now this is what I love about the net rankings. You don't even play; they move you up. Now they're at twenty eight from uh, from twenty nine <laughs> yesterday. So amazing, it's a, it's amazing a constantly stuff. moving number, and moving target. Fantastic. The the Ken Palm uh, for what it's worth has Carolina at fifty four, which I think is very respectable right now. And the Tigers down at twenty eight. So that's that's really where all the components come in. Um, and uh, tomorrow night, we all know Clemson will be playing through P.J. Hall. That's the ticket. You want to beat him? You got to stop him. We'll see if they've got an answer uh, for what's looking like an All-American type season for that young man. Tall man, too, uh, for the it's big break getting him back for another year. You, you yeah, buddy, in the words yeah. of Schubert. And, they, right, and uh, they, brought in, they brought in some good some – good, uh, the one time I've seen Clemson play this year, I was impressed by some of their newcomers. We'll talk about it more on uh, – uh, well, I guess Thursday. Um, yeah, but hey, people don't want to hear me say this on this show, but and that's fine. But like, let's just be real about it. All we heard year after year up until pretty much last year was how they need to just fire Brad Brownell. Oh yeah. Oh, every time I, I I've done a bunch of Clemson games over the last five years. There's never been a time I've done a Clemson game where there hasn't been talk from that fan base about firing Brad Brownell. Never. Never. Yeah. It's always Man, a thing. Always warm. Yeah. <laughs> always. It's I mean, it's always a thing. It just surround I mean, and I've talked to him about it a little bit. I mean I don't even think he cares anymore. It's like, well, I mean, he's sitting there like <laughs> Whatever. Again, like a lot of coaches, I as I always tell you, because I, I you get a lot more when you talk to coaches without a microphone in front of them. Stuff like that is a lot of who the hell do you think who the hell were you before I got here? Who the hell do you think you're going to be when I'm gone? There, that's how a lot of coaches look at a lot of that type of stuff. Brad Brownell has not had a losing season at Clemson since 2012 to 
Amazing. He is a good basketball coach. Now, I would tell you, I think that's a more difficult job than South Carolina. I, I think it's easier to recruit at Carolina than it is Clemson. Um, so that's a debatable point, I understand. But I just think it, you they're not getting 18,000 fans at Little John. First of all, you can't fit 18,000 fans at Little John. Um, but they're not getting the attendance numbers that you do. It's a rural community. The rural communities pack the house for seven football home games, right? But if you're in a rural community like Clemson is, and you're playing on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock Eastern time, that's a real tough get to get a good crowd. Yeah, but at Columbia point. is a city of nearly eight hundred thousand people, so you should be able to draw from more people to support your team on any given night, and any given day of the uh, of the year or of the week. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I've always thought Columbia is a little bit easier job in basketball than Clemson. Of course, Carolina's got a Final Four. Clemson does not. Carolina's got an SEC championship under Eddie Fogler. When's the last time Clemson won an ACC championship? You know, so there's 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 a lot there, and I I still think it's in Gamecock fans' DNA going all the way back to McGuire, that which is passed down to future generations to Fogler. The people that were around for the Frank Martin Final Four. There's enough success there. It comes in pockets. There's enough there for Gamecock fans to be like, you know what? I like the game of basketball, and I want to be good at it, damn it. And with all due respect to Dawn Staley and the women's team, there's a fan base out there that would really like to see the men's team pick it up and really be dominant in the second most prolific sport on the college slate. It just is. College football's one, college basketball's two, and then there is a gap, major gap, before you get to the rest of the sports on the calendar. It'll be a fun one tomorrow night. Cannot wait. I think somebody just a little bit ago said Roy Philpot will be calling it, so it's – okay. I guess I'll be listening to Derek and Casey. <laughs> I like Roy. He's – I just like Derek better. By the way, we'll be joined by Derek tomorrow. Derek's going to join us at 12.05. 12.05. He's going to have fun calling this this uh, team. This, of course, Derek got to call the Final Four. Uh, yeah. But he'll have fun calling this team. You know, again, I, I go back to my first year, 03, 04, and nobody had any expectations for that team, and nobody knew who half the roster was. And they went to Clemson and won, and then they beat NC State at home and won. And then got off to a six and two start in SEC play and wound up going to the NCAA tournament. If Rolando Howell does not get hurt, mm. they might have a better chance of beating Memphis, led by Coach Cal that year. But he got hurt late in the year and it was just like oh God, wasn't the final score of that game like forty fifty four to forty nine or something? Yeah, it was not pretty. It was a pretty boring game. And I was sick as a dog. We're at Kemper Arena in Kansas which of all the places to do my first March Madness game, that's not where I wanted to be. Sick as a dog, had uh, borderline laryngitis. I was not going to miss the call. Did the game. Ugly game, as you mentioned. Flew back. I I felt like crap. I looked like crap. And Mike McGee is on the charter. He looks at me. He's like, he's Mike. You uh, look a little undisciplined there. And I was like, <laughs> you know, Mike. I don't need that right now. I really don't. I really don't. And, and, and I remember just him saying that. I'm sitting there and I'm like spitting up blood. And yes, I was not cleanly shaven. 
uh, and, you know, Mike was old school. And I look, I got along great with Mike. He actually, when we, when I came back from Omaha in '02 and found out the the rights to the Gamecocks switched from one mm-hmm. company to another. Mm-hmm. Remember now, my employment was tied in with the first company. And there was an affiliates meeting, and I still hadn't signed a deal with the new company. And Mike came over, put his hand on his sho- on my shoulder, and said, now they're going to make sure they got to do everything what they do to keep you as voice of the Gamecocks. And I said, I hope so, Mike. He's, he's kind of winked. He goes, trust me, Mike. They'll do what they need to do. I was like, okay. <laughs> and he wasn't lying. They did. He got it. He got it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mike McGee. Uh, thank thank God for him hiring some of the guys he hired because some of the greatest moments in the history of the program happened <laughs> under his watch. He will always have Tanner and Spurrier, and no one is ever going to be able to match that in terms of impact. Think no, but I hope somebody does because if oh, uh, you, they course. do, then, yeah, of course. Well, but, you hope you yeah. just get one out of those, but and you yeah. could make a, a, a significant, you could make good hires, but still not make revolutionary hires like Steve Spurrier and Ray Tanner. Tonight on the basketball agenda, it is a neat night in college basketball. 11th-ranked Florida Atlantic in the Jimmy V Classic is in the Garden to take on 20th-ranked Illinois. How about that? That's going to be a fun matchup. And guess who's favored? FAU. FAU. They are 11th in in the nation, favored in a neutral site in Madison Square Garden over Illinois. Tennessee, by the way, has an interesting matchup tonight. They've got 7-1 and one George Mason. Now, they are 15-point favorites, but certainly something to keep an eye on. So is this one in the Big East Big 12 battle, Oklahoma on ESPNU at 7 o'clock. If you're a fan of basketball, like I mentioned, very interesting matchup. They've got 7-1 and one Providence tonight. The Sooners are 4.5-point favorites in that game. Peacock as well. Michigan State just a five-and-a-half-point favorite uh, in that game. You've got the showdown in the Garden. Ninth-ranked North Carolina, fifth-ranked UConn in the Jimmy V Classic at 9 o'clock tonight on ESPNU. And then one more I want to mention here because of the Gamecocks. They beat Grand Canyon to win the Arizona tip-off. Grand Canyon at ESP, on ESPNU tonight in Phoenix hosts 25th-ranked San Diego State. The Aztecs are just two-and-a-half-point favorites in the game. 9 o'clock ESPNU. Keep an eye on that one. Grand Canyon wins the game. That's probably not a bad thing for Gamecock basketball. Nah, you want Grand Canyon to win. You want Virginia to win. After this game against Clemson, believe it or not, you want Clemson to win every game because yeah. it all helps your metrics toward the end. It all helps. There's no doubt about that. Georgia and Georgia Tech tonight, by the way, at 730 on the SEC Network. What's the next game you'll call, Mike? I go to Baton Rouge Friday night. I have LSU, Kansas State, a little Ooh. SEC Big 12 flavor. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Looking forward to that. That'll, that that sounds like a game that'll be on the TV here at the Bradford House. It's I pull up some uh, chicken cock, put your feet up, and relax. John Sunvold and I will have the call. <laughs> That's a uh, Saturday afternoon game, right? Afternoon, yeah. Might actually get home Saturday night. No offense to the great nightlife of Baton Rouge, but sometimes it's good to sleep in your own bed. Not on the street. I get it. Yeah. Uh, Thanks to uh, both Brad Crawford and Hale McGranahan for joining us in hour number one and always the golden tones in the final couple of hours here 
on our program. That would be Mike Morgan. No offense, Mad Dog. Mike's the golden tones. We're just we're just here so we won't get fined. Mad That's Dog right. is just gold. He is. Yeah. Matt, we, we've got to do that. You know that Georgia guy that always he passed away, unfortunately, but he used to paint his head. We've got to we got to work on painting your head something different for like <laughs> seasons, big games. Like you have you could do like a head spin. reveal, maybe. Maybe available next- for sponsorship whenever anybody wants it. Now that's not a bad. Now we're talking here, like Dollar Shave Club or something like that. Yeah, and maybe next year you'll be our version of Lee Corso on Fridays. You'll just kind of show the top of your head as to whomever you've got. <laughs> Whatever works. Mike, thank you, Mad Dog. Enjoy Good it, to guys. see you, everybody. We'll see you all tomorrow at eleven on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.